Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it is hip to be square. The ball might have dropped, but your hosts are still counting down the best of the year. Happy Norm Year on Normies Like Us. Norm year, normies. It's the new year. It's a little past the new year, but it's not yet the norm year because it hasn't been the norm year until your hosts, the normies, have broken down what was niche and what was normie in this past year on Normies Like Us. With me, your host, uh, Ball Dropping Colin. Uh, I'll be Mike Clark. <laughs> it's rocking New Year's <laughs> Eve. <laughs> uh, Joe Anderson. <laughs> like, uh, and this is. This is Baby Jacob over here. Way Baby Jacob. It's 2020. <laughs> no, you're Jacob Lemon to go with Joe's uh, Joe Cooper, and you're getting very drunk and talking to him. Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's how New Year's rolls, right? You guys see BTS was there, huh? Yeah, any BTS uh, fans? <laughs> yeah, I big saw. BTS fans. Normie's yeah. reaching out all the time to do a BTS episode. Yeah, yeah. Now the K-pop became normie right at the end of the decade. <laughs> it's true. K-pop is a big part of this decade, I'd say, with uh, Gangnam Style kicking it off. Oh, very true. Only going to get bigger probably in 2020. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, uh, K-pop episode coming soon, maybe not. Coming soon, <laughs> maybe. But all right, Normies, we just came off of a big batch of episodes. We just wrapped up our Starvember Warcember run. And before that, we did our Halloween run, too. So we're kind of easing back into giving you that Normie content for the new year. Obviously, we do these big year-end wrap-ups. This is your happy Norm year 2020. But we got Joe here who missed out a couple of those Star Wars episodes and did just see Rise of Skywalker. So we got to get those final thoughts, Normies. Yeah. No, I, um, you know, I wish I could have been there, but I just had my, my first niece. You were frozen in carbonite. You had a life day celebration. You sent in a bunch of holograms. So I urge Normies to go back and to listen to those. <laughs> Your Uncle Chewie. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I did get a chance to finally see Rise of Skywalker and uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> it was it was fine. No, I don't know. Once you... <laughs> 10 minutes into it, you kind of just accept it's not going to be a good movie. And then after that, I thought it was fun. You Takes know? the pressure off. Yeah, like the dead speak. It's like, oh, okay, this is going to be a rough ride. And then, uh, <laughs> oh, we love that on this podcast. Oh, yeah. You know, I haven't I haven't read the entirety of the encyclopedia. I'm just working through it now. So I only understand about a half of the plot so far. Like, I just found out that the Knights of Ren are... Force users who didn't know they were using the Force, and that Lando is uh, Jana's dad, and little things like that that kind of tie the movie together. That I guess you just couldn't fit in two and a half hours. Oh wow! Yeah, I think reports are coming out that there was like a three-hour cut, three hours and two minutes. It was agreed upon, and then the studio kind of cut it without JJ's release. The Abrams, yeah, I don't the Abrams um, cut. I don't leave no, that movie no. thinking, boy, I wish I had more of it, though. I think you 15 know, like, minutes, maybe, but... Yeah. I think it should have been three hours, or they should have they should have split it into two parts like Avengers did. And Endgame was three hours, too, so it could have been three hours easily, I think. I guess, but the problem is I don't think they decided what they wanted the sequel trilogy to be until the third one. Hmm. And then right. you can't make all three movies in the third one. Um, right. And there's just like some really egregious like 
people didn't like The Last Jedi, let's walk it back. Like, Luke sucks off a lightsaber because it's so important. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. The weapon of a Jedi master, Joe. Yeah. It should be treated that way. <laughs> no titty milk Rose whatsoever. Rose Tico gets her tongue cut out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was Mike, the problem. What if, what if his force ghost came back and milked one of those sea cows again? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's man. like, what are you doing? I did in. love, um, I did love Ben Solo. Like, I think he probably one of my favorite Star Wars characters ever. He's basically Han as a Jedi who wears his pajamas and runs around. Like, I was really into that. Yeah. Um, and then he dies immediately. So who fucking cares? <laughs> he did have that good moment that shrug jacob had an observation that he doesn't say any words as ben besides ow yeah, yeah he only says one when he falls he said he says ow and he hits that rock and that's yeah. the only thing he says for the rest of the movie and i loved the um the dad i you know i love you i know like that was yeah, nice yeah. um but like the psychology of ben solo is so fucking sad because the only thing that he ever has to like really bring him back to the light isn't even a force ghost of his mother being like it's okay it's literally a memory that he's fabricating of his dad to be like no it's okay and then after he like ultimately sacrifices himself uh his girlfriend takes his uncle's name but he doesn't even get to be a force ghost on the farm like but his body disappeared joe yeah it doesn't make any sense it's just like i don't think Next to Rose, I don't think any character's ever been done so dirty. Yeah, I think, um, you know, at the end, first of all, I don't think he should have died, but um, I'm pretty sure they tested, like, different combinations of the Force Ghost at the end when it's, like, Luke and Leia, and then they had Luke and Leia and Kylo, but then it's, like, weird because Han can't be there, but he's not, he can't have a Force Ghost, so I guess they just went with Luke and Leia, but yeah, the ending is is pretty is pretty dumb in my opinion. And we might talk I thought about it was weird how she mm. she looks at the camera and says Ray Ray Star Wars. That's your last <laughs> Ray name, Star Ray Wars. Star Wars. And we'll probably see so you just fucking send that down the, the barrel movie section. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 something. But I have to look at them as the Ben Solo trilogy, not the Ray Palpatine trilogy. Like he really is the strongest thing in these Disney movies. So yeah, it doesn't no make doubt, any sense. No doubt. Also, like, her whole thing is she's afraid of dying alone, and then J.J. made her die alone. That's what I'm saying. And Leia said, Kylo and dying makes no sense for multiple Two reasons. times in that movie? Guys, have you ever been in a situation where two times in one day, unless you're at the DMV, someone's like, and what's your first and last name? No. <laughs> like, never. Like, what? We're in space, and you're worried about this person's first and last name We're so not bad? even sure if everybody has first and last names in space. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, also, you know, Leia says, don't be ashamed of who you are. Immediately ditches her own name. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad you got to see it, though. It's uh, It was a movie. <laughs> um, I did enjoy it. It was Star Wars. It was a big, fun experience in the movie theater. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One last favorite part. There's that emotional beat where uh, Zori Bliss shows up. And Poe's like, wow, I convinced even a drug runner to to join the rebellion. Maybe I am a good general. And then the little Muppet pops up and goes, hey, hey. Babu Frick. Hey, hey. <laughs> I love it's him. Like, you, you, know, you, you mean you that was the best part, that, right? You couldn't even have that emotional beat for a second without. And it, it's no. so funny because it just looks like they were like, well, this isn't landing. No one cared about Carrie Russell. I know. Let's just CG in the little Muppet and he'll pop up again. People <laughs> I are know. It's so thing. bad. He had Mike has said Zori. <laughs> Mike has said, Zuri, you made it in so many texts to us that it just exists in my mind now that sometimes when I'm doing things, I'll be like, Zuri, you made it. 
when, yeah. whenever my toast is not burnt. Zori, you made it. <laughs> hey, hey. Right. Yeah. That's exactly well, it. Well, I'm Zori. We had to sit through it. Yeah. Well, uh, nice, Ooh. nice. Well, welcome back, Joe. We uh, we missed you on the last couple, but it's, uh, the band is back together. We've assembled. Yeah, normies. And we're happy that we did that uh, block of episodes. It ended up being uh, exciting for us, uh, supposedly exciting for you guys. We did a little better number-wise, and this... uh, we appreciate that. Yeah, Rise of Skywalker actually is the best of the prequel trilogies. Apparently, people oh really God. want to know what the fuck is going on with it. So thank you all for <laughs> listening to those. We really appreciate it. But happy to talk some things that maybe aren't so Star Wars, that's for sure. As much yeah. as I love it. Happy to jump back in the realm with normies like us. So normies, we're going to take you through a break here. After that, we're going to talk a little bit about our best of the year, then maybe the best of the decade. And we're going to go around and talk about what it meant to be normie in 2019 and normie going on to 2020. Happy Norm Year 2020! Happy Norm Year! We did it! Happy Norm Year 2020 Vision. That's what I have. Uh, It's your favorite Justin Timberlake album, guys. Sorry, you've made it. Uh, We're back, Normies. We're talking Happy New Year. We're that uh, weird Rudolph special that doesn't involve Christmas. It involves the New Year for some reason. Father Baby New Year. year, You guys remember that one? Uh, and right now we're going to be talking movies yeah we will we'll do our stop motion Rinkin bass episode right now we're talking (laughs) favorite movies uh we're gonna go around we're gonna hit you with our best of list here uh we'll we'll toss it around but we'll start with jacob first i I know you've seen like a thousand movies lately we talked about a ton you watched on the plane just over the holiday season but what's what are sort of your top ones of 2019 yeah that's right i um have seen a lot recently but there are some that i haven't seen that possibly could have been made the list if uh, I had seen them, but I didn't. Um, like Knives Out, which I haven't seen. The Joker, uh, you know, some other ones too that could have made the list. <laughs> but my top five, I got top, I got five movies this year. I think it was a pretty good movie year. Uh, if you think about it, you know, some of these, you know, would have been the top movie of last year. I think so. It's been a pretty good movie year. Um, but I'll just go through mine real quick. Um, Number five, we got Us, you know, Jordan Peele uh, movie. I thought it was pretty good, um, but that's one that could probably got would get kicked off if I saw more movies. Um, then I have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, it's a good movie. Um, the Irishman. Uh, and then my top two, uh, and these are the best by far, I think, Parasite and Uncut Gems. Um, both of those, I think, would have been like the top movie of last year, like the top movie that I've seen in the past couple of years. So I've not seen either of those, but you've been effusive in your praise of both. Nice. I, that's uh, right. I agree with you for Parasite. That's definitely on the list. A couple that you didn't see uh, that are on my list are Joker and Knives Out. I thought were great. Um, and I'm surprised. Yeah, I do really want to see those. Yeah. And no Endgame, though. Come on, buddy. Endgame, um, I liked it, but it didn't make the top top list for me. Okay, okay. Um, well, you said it would be your best picture pick, though, for the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Marriage Story is another one I haven't seen. Little Women, I haven't seen. Um, but Irishman. That was Irishman, I have too. seen. Oh, you saw and just didn't make the cut? Okay. No, it did make the cut. It was uh, It's number three for me. Um, I like the Irishman a lot. 
You like a uh, bunch of uh, uh, dagos in a movie called The Irishman, <laughs> just sitting around pretending to be 18-year-olds and 14-year-olds. Hey, mister, I fixed up your car as a, as a rattling <laughs> wrist is handed over to a guy yeah. as an old man's arm shakes. <laughs> the aging wasn't always the best. The de-aging uh, was not always the best, but... I think overall, once they got to like, they're supposed to be like in their 40s to 50s, it started to work a little better. Um, yeah, when they're really young, definitely doesn't work too well. But I think if you think of The Irishman as like a spiritual sequel to Goodfellas and Casino and think about, you know, where Scorsese is in his life now being an old man uh, compared to when he made Goodfellas. I see a lot of connections to Goodfellas, but more a uh, sentimental and like almost kind of somber tone to it than Goodfellas. I just want to... Looking back on your life. Yeah, and I think this is like kind of a testament to the decade is Scorsese is making a Netflix movie, not a theatrical release yeah. movie, right? And right. that's where we're at. Because Wild. Endgame and Star Wars are, you know, he was he's kind of right. We're going to have theme park rides in the theaters, movies on our TV shows, and TV shows on our YouTube, right? It's just... Right, but he's kind of given into that by making a Netflix movie. But then again, he can also make it three and a half hours long mm -hmm. and not have the re normal restrictions of a theat theatrical release might have. So yeah. it kind of works out for him. I can watch it on my iPhone while I take a shit, so it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah three you hours. can yeah, and and then get on a Quibi video right afterwards. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the way it. Truffaut wanted, you know. So as much as Scorsese might complain about how movies are going, he's kind of taking advantage of certain aspects of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think those dramas really is moving towards the home screen and, you know, the roller coaster is at the movie theater. So, um, Joe, what what are some of your top movies then? Um, I'll tell you, this is the time of year where I wait for all my screeners to get delivered. Nice. So I'm still waiting to see a lot of those, but excited. Um, I got a screening of Knives Out later this weekend, so I'm excited for that. Awesome. Um, I, I got to give it to Endgame, though. It's just one of those things where... If you look at 10 years, 10 years of Marvel um, and the trends that were most important for the entire decade, it's it's wrapping up in Endgame, right? Like you had the birth of the MCU all the way through and we've seen Universal try to do it with horror movies. DC try to do it. Harry Potter try to do it. Star and no Wars. one has really, yeah, even Star Wars, like no one's really perfected it the same way. And I, um, I thought it was a really satisfying conclusion to to all of those stories. So I'll give it to that. Um, honorable mentions though. Like I really enjoyed us thinking back on it. Like it was one of those ones where it was kind of weird in theaters. It wasn't what we expected it to be, but then thinking about it, I was like, Oh man, I, I really like that. It's on HBO. Now it's a really satisfying rewatch. There's a bunch to catch that like you might've missed on your first viewing, uh, little details that kind of show you where it's going. And, but Joe, um, a lot of people are pushing now like best actor and best lead performance for uh, for her, for us. Um, you know, like, again, is that a case? I just want to get your opinion. Is that a case of pushing a director forward? Because obviously coming off of Get Out, Jordan Peele was like, I'm not trying to do an awards movie again. I'm trying to do a very normal, basic horror movie, actually, without kind of social commentary. And instead, people are like, oh, it's amazing, blah, blah, blah. It still needs to be propelled up. Is that deserved or is that sort of just pushing along a new director? I think, um, you know, one other thing about this decade has been a real renaissance for horror films. You have mm -hmm. so many uh, new and exciting voices coming out that even though he wasn't trying to make a big social commentary movie, it's still so much 
ingrained into like classism and there's still so much said in it. It just doesn't feel like it's hitting you over the head with it. You know what I mean? So no, I think it's deserved. Like I, I hope we see a lot more genre picks getting respect. That, that remix of I Got Five on it is so great and haunting too. But um, Oh, for sure. I love the horror renaissance and also with Knives Out. Uh, like I like that we're getting a genre movie, like a murder mystery, right? Uh, and I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, um, I, I'm a big fan of uh, us as well. I like all the uh, symbolism and the little details and everything in, in that movie. Um, another underrated uh, horror movie that I think that didn't make my list, but it's definitely a recommendation. Um, a little movie called Ready or Not. Uh, I saw that on the plane. Have you? Have you? Seen, has anybody so fucking seen funny. That? I thought you were going to no. say Midsummer, and instead you jumped to a delightful romp. Midsummer is good too. Or not. Yeah. Yeah, ready or not, uh, check it out. It's like a very uh, smartly written. Um, oh, check out Samara little, Weaving uh, from comedy. My Dreams, where she <laughs> occupies like really them a, every night. Sam Raimi driven, right? It's kind of like a, a flip in a, a typical story on its head, and then you have like the heroine going out. That's a great yeah, way definitely to put it. subverts your expectations a few times, if you will. Oh, I don't know if people yeah. like that. <laughs> right. Depends on the type of movie. Apparently not in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but in a murder mystery, for example, again, with Ryan Johnson, it's a perfect place to play around and it's it's fun. Very true. Colin, do we get any of your uh, your tops of the year? Um, You know, uh, you mentioned Joker. I saw Joker. I love Joker. I wasn't as excited about it as everybody else. Just the one thing I want to point out about it, though, obviously shot on film, looks gorgeous, looks mm-hmm. like a movie. Uh, but what's the other movie this year that was also shot on film that was a gigantic blockbuster? Do you guys remember? Can you guess? Shot on film this year? The only person I could think of would do it would be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, uh, Probably, actually. Um, not the one I was thinking of. Crazy big blockbuster. Maybe a movie that I said would be the highest grossing film of all time in our last uh, New Year's roundup. Oh, oh man. I it's Detective Pikachu, guys. Yeah. You do know, Detective Jacob. Pikachu. Right. You guys forget that Detective Pikachu was shot to look like a film noir. They they made the That's choice right. to give it like a look and texture and grain and then to put all those beasties in the background. Uh, I just want to mention that. Not my top of the year, but we got to mention Detective Pikachu for a minute. How many of you guys ended up seeing it? I did see it, yeah. I saw it recently. <laughs> And I would, yes, I saw it on the plane as well. And I would say it makes my worst of the year list. <laughs> what? How do you feel yeah, about it, Judd? Do you also fucking hate it? Um, it was okay. Like, I'm, I'm glad I watched it on a plane because it was a great way to kill like two hours. And I didn't fall asleep. And I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to turn this off. But I think I would have been disappointed had I seen it in theaters, if that makes sense. Well, we did an episode on it, so y'all can go back and listen. Go back and listen, Normies. I did a little uh, more research so on it since then, Joe, uh, and Mike and, and Jacob. Sorry to cut you off. But yeah. where I got a bit more of appreciation, I'm pretty cold on it, too. And obviously, it did not end up making the Buko box office that I said it would. But did you guys know that when Legendary was getting it and fighting for the rights to make it, uh, being picked over Universal and all that other stuff where they were fighting, fighting, make this movie, make this movie... The Pokemon company basically got cold feet and said, well, we wanted to make a Pokemon movie. That's what they were chasing the entire time. Got scared because, you know, you'll mess up our IP. Okay, we'll give you Detective Pikachu. 
And I think the balls to kind of just still go forward and not be scared and back off mm-hmm. and do it with the lesser IP, you really do have to give him credit for that. Yeah. I yeah. follow the the writer on Twitter and he's really funny. Um, so I think like his personality definitely shines through in it too. Like there's definitely moments that I like. And I mean, I maybe did. Ryan Reynolds is the, the star of the decade. Yeah, it's a it's the decade of Reynolds and Reeves. Um, Bill Nye trying to pull the Palpatine and give himself a new Mewtwo body was a little weird. <laughs> but yeah, then Star Wars copied that for Rise of Skywalker. Come on, yeah. guys. Get yeah, I, you know, I did think it was an interesting idea, but I mean, I'm not really a Pokemon fan, but I really just did not care about anything that was going on, um, and it just didn't really hold my attention at all, and I just got really bored. So. Sorry, Detective Pikachu. If you want more, another, go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> Boo. Another All right, quick so, honorable mention. Did uh, yeah. did anyone see Shazam? Mm-hmm. I did. I watched that recently as well. Yeah. Um, I thought Shazam was a delightful little family film. I thought it was that, a uh, nice little movie, Joe. Yeah. It was a nice little movie. Kind of Power Rangery at the end when they suit up. Yeah. What's the actor's name? Zachary Levi? Yeah. He was awesome. It was yeah, excellent. I it was really fun. enjoyed it. It was one I of want, those ones where it was like the expectations were low and it mm-hmm. knocked him out of the park. Like I just really loved it. Like Aquaman and, and Shazam is like what I want more from DC and Wonder yeah. Woman, obviously, which that'll, I mean, I'm looking forward to that next year uh, for sure. This year? This year, 2020. Yes. Embrace the goofiness, vision. man. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm thinking, uh, so, you know, Parasite, me and Jacob have seen it, but you two have not. Is that where we're at? We have not. I know yeah. the twist, so feel comfortable to talk about it or whatever. Is it truly Which like twist? that remarkable, just of sort of what's going on for that family? I think what it is is it's presenting two families from different classes, and neither is really explicitly good or bad. They're just... That's right. So it really makes you kind of consider like, oh, rich people all suck. It's like, no, that's not what this movie is telling you. And it's not saying that all, you know, lower class people are virtuous, right? It's like twisting kind of that. Interesting. That I did not know. It doesn't give you any easy answers. Like there's no villains or heroes. There's just normal people and they have good and bad sides. And I just think it's a really well-made, like, you know, it's not really... Uh, you know, Bong Joon-ho is one of my favorite directors working today, and he normally makes like really good genre movies that have uh, normally like a socio-political message. This one's not so much a genre movie. It's just a sort of, um, you know, just like a little family comedy. It seems like kind of a heist film in the first half, um, but it's just really well shot, really well edited, uh, really well acted, and it's just a very tight little movie. And some of the shots in it, too, are really, really just amazing. Yeah, yeah, stick with you. It's great. And, um, you know, Joker is another one which it's kind of leans on that line of like class divisions and kind of the unrest between them. So both those movies I loved have uh, very famous staircases in them. Oh, no. Yes. So if you like staircases, 2019 was a great year for you. (laughs) Staircases and and class war. Class war. Well, and the whole time we're recording this podcast, Jacob is folding pizza boxes. I can't help but wonder if that's a new job you picked up. (laughs) Yeah, that's my side hustle. <laughs> that's right. Um, so that definitely recommend that to all you out there. Um, so I just wanted to touch on uh, my top movie of the year, which Parasite 
up until recently was my top movie. Uh, I think it would be, you know, the best in a lot of years. But then I saw this other movie, Uncut Gems, recently, and it just tops it. And I think it's a really good movie. You should check it out. Adam Sandler, obviously, is in it, directed by the Safdie brothers. Um, getting a now, lot what of else have they buzz done? right now. Uh, they did a little movie called Good Time, starring mm. Robert Pattinson. Mm. Have you seen Good um, Times? I have seen it, and I would check that one out as well. Um, they have this very distinctive style of this fast-paced, anxiety-inducing Lots of close-ups on faces and lots of people talking over each other and just kind of chaos, but they just people capture being it so well. stressed out in New York City. Like my nightmare <laughs> yes. is what they make yes. movies about. A place that I never want to go to or travel to or think about engaging or running into people is like, yeah, let's do it. Let's just shoot all the chaos. Right. But they just give you this slice of life, like character study. So Adam Sandler, you know, he's this this fast talking guy he's he's making bets he's he's putting down something on on in a pawn shop getting money to put another bet on something else trying to cover that another bet and just putting layer of layer on each other and uh yeah definitely check that one out normies say the uh, i think NBA a lot of star? people like it what's that say the nba star oh yeah it stars uh, kevin garnett kevin as himself garnett. that's right it's actually technically a period piece it takes place in 2012 because uh, it follows, uh, it's during the Boston Celtics Eastern Conference Final of 2012, mm. and uh, essentially Kevin Garnett. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, wrestle. it's great. Uh, Kevin Garnett, you know, he gets he gets kind of hypnotized by this uncut gem that Adam Sandler has, and he's convinced that it makes him better at basketball, and that kind of ties into the the whole plot. So definitely check that one out, Normies. Great cinematography as well. Great attention to detail in the backgrounds like 75 percent of the cast is non-actors so it's it's really crazy movie now Um, normies jacob does have a 30th birthday coming up maybe by the time that this episode drops happy birthday we're very proud of you uh, don't remind Uh, me a24 (laughs) dropping those furby necklaces normies how many of those are you gonna buy and send in for jacob buy him one of these furby (laughs) diamond necklaces he deserves it yeah we could decorate his whole room with them uh, I'm surprised that Adam Sandler turns in a good performance from what I'm hearing. That's Oh, yeah, he's great. I yeah. mean, he can really act when he's trying, and uh, he just kind of disappears into this character. I would give him an Oscar. I would nominate him for an Oscar for sure. But, so you wow. said you haven't seen Joker, but are we thinking, guys, that it's going to come down to Adam Sandler versus uh, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix? I heard he's good as well. That should be a, a good race for sure. Here, here's the... Uh, the poetry in that we have a serious actor pretending to be a comedian and a comedian pretending to be a serious actor. <laughs> uh, let the battle begin. <laughs> you know, that's let true. Fight. For your considerate, let them fight. Godzilla came out this year. It was so, so, um, oh. anything else for this <laughs> Not year? Even an honorable mention <laughs> for King of the Monsters from Mike. No, I mean, it, it was, it's, it didn't have rubber suits, right? So that's, that's yeah. where we're at. But yeah, Anyway, yeah. another. I did not see Uncut Gems. I'm glad I watched it on a plane. Yeah, uh, really. And did you hate it, Joe? No, it was uh, again for a plane. Great. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do we want to kind of talk the decade now, or is there anything else that's 2019 relevant? I'll say. I'll just say for? my last one, my best of the year, is Marriage Story. I thought it was great. Noah Baumbach, not even a filmmaker I love, but just a very honest portrayal, incredible performances, um, and a camera that that moves as its own actor. I mean, it's incredible. And we love Adam Driver. At least I do. I we do. For you guys. What a year for <laughs> we him. We all love Adam Driver. He's he's great. 
He's a friend of the show. If we keep saying it, it'll become true. <laughs> He's my good friend. You're nothing. You're garbage. You're yeah, I just declare that. I heard you yeah. guys said I'm a friend of the show. I'll be walking out of yep. the interview from now on. I never listen back to Don't you dare episodes. play. <laughs> Don't you dare play an episode <laughs> of Normies Like Us where you say oh, I'm a friend of the show. I have used his voice on the intro, so he probably hates us. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hit it. We're done talking the movies of 2019. Let's talk the shows that made an impact in 2019. Yeah, let's do it. The film was a pretty big year, but I think TV was a huge year for 2019 too. I saw a lot of there's a lot of good stuff that came out this year. Jacob, I liked yeah, your list. If finale. you'll read off the Game of Thrones finale, read off your <laughs> list because I noticed a lot of it was very end of the that year stuff. Uh, Watchmen, Mando, stuff like that. So, so just hit us with some big broad ones. Yeah, a lot of stuff coming through towards the end of the year. Um, but some good shows, you know, you had obviously The Mandalorian, a uh, big uh, fan fave over here at the Normies. Uh, Watchmen, two shows that I think uh, touched on similar things in different ways. Watchmen and The Boys, mm. um, two good shows. And then you have The Witcher on Netflix, which just came out in December. And I'm only about halfway through that, but I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, Episode coming up, Normies. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of good fantasy, science fiction type stuff. Um, what do we think, Mandalorian? I'm pitching. We like it. Yeah, let's talk Mandalorian oh, for a minute. Yeah, it's got to be Mando. I love that's it. that's yeah. the one we're all cut up on. We've all seen the finale. I hope you like Star Wars, listeners. <laughs> it's back, maybe <laughs> we can't. Prove we never talk they about Star Wars. Um, but yeah, Mandalorian was great. I think the fifth and sixth episodes, uh, kind of like maybe four, five, six, kind of have a dip. Uh, as much as I like the Bill Burr episode, you could kind of cut it out completely, and the continuity would still match. But it was a super fun episode. He looks like a serial killer, and I, I love the finale and the cliffhanger. He got some dark saber. Well, let me action. ask about that real quick, though. Uh, Mike, do you like the episodic nature, the it's a spaghetti western of the week, or would you have preferred more of a driving narrative through the entire thing? It's, it's Lone Wolf and Cub, so I'm okay with it just being adventure of the week. Uh, and I, I loved it, and I think the first three and the last two episodes are super strong. Jacob, what do you think here? Well, uh, you have to look at Dave Filoni and what he's done with, with Clone Wars um, and think about the way he structures seasons. So, there's there's really important arcs within a season, but then there's also the standalone episode of the week kind of. So, that's how I view the, the sort of the middle episodes. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind them as much. I think it's kind of fun to have those, those story of the week, um, but still having the overarching plot throughout the season. And then the finale was great as well, I yeah. think. I think also season one is so contained, right? It was introducing that Baby Yoda is going to come along. He's going to take Baby Yoda. These are going to be the two characters we follow. It's Lone Wolf and Cub. Mm-hmm. Um, then they found out they were getting a season two faster than they thought. So I think a lot of these other episodes, like meeting the old crew, the mystery of who was on Tatooine, like that kind of stuff is just going to set up stuff we're going to see in season two. Like, I think we'll see a lot yeah. of those characters come Oh, back. for sure. And that's something that Dave does a ton in Rebels and Clone Wars, too. And I feel kind of the same way with this as I do with The Witcher. Having finished it, it does feel like it's it's a lot of... It's set up for what we're going to be getting in season two. And uh, the world that they build on both of those shows, I'm really excited for. 
what's funny is people are like, everyone's divided over The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. But like if Disney came out and said, all right, we're going to make a show where Boba Fett protects a baby Yoda. Everyone would be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you know, but we love it. We love it. Right. So there you go. It's our yeah. favorite. Um, Colin, what are your thoughts on this show? Um, I, I was very cold on the pilot. A lot colder than you guys. As it went on, I fell in love with the show. I love what Jacob just said. I wouldn't trade those middle episodes for anything because regardless, you're still getting the story character growth of a Mando who's choosing to take care of a child. You do see their relationship progress and all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, can I just say a name real quick and get your guys' thoughts on it? Jin Jarden. Din Jarden. What, what do you guys think yeah. about that? It's no Jetster Dexter, but it'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of what if his name was Salacious Crumb also, and they were like, "Yeah, those things are just named after me." Yeah. Yeah. So if we can talk uh, spoilers um, in the last episode, uh, can I say it? Yeah. Um, So when he gets obviously demasked, what did you guys think of that uh, decision? Now you guys thought it would look like Pedro Pascal. I was hoping it would be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now I see all this <laughs> stuff online where everybody's like, "Wow, I just can't believe it was him." Like, yeah, it's the guy they well, hired to be the character. Him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you thought he wouldn't have the mustache. That's pretty much what Pedro Pascal always has. I wish, yeah, just for the sake of the show, they would have shot it better. If that makes sense, because they really give him like a glory shot of like, here's his face. I wish it was more obstructed the entire time. Like, I wish it was kind of like Silhouetted. shallow depth of field. You see more of IG-11 than you see of him and just kind of a bloody face. You know what I mean? I wish he um, had colored hair like the Rebels girl. Oh. <laughs> I wish he had like crazy colored hair. She was the leader of Well, Mandalore. this is the confusing thing. Yeah, this is the confusing thing <laughs> yeah, to me because previous, previous to the show... It was never really a thing that Mandalorians couldn't just take off their helmets when they wanted to. I mean, we see unmasked Mandalorians all the time in like the Clone Wars and stuff. And now all of a sudden it's it's a big thing, it's I guess. Be a is that a difference that between um, purebred versus foundling, maybe? No, no. Joe, what did you read? That's something that people have said, but I've read that it, it was a law that was instituted after the Empire tried to cull all of them. That makes so sense. So it was just a real return back to ancient mandalorian vibes which like that I'm excited makes that the, sense the the main villain of this is also sort of obsessed with their culture and appropriating the dark like, saber yeah like that's yeah really fucking cool um i mean i can't wait to see where it goes and i think it's awesome that this is a, a tell for where we're going in television right like it came in at the end of november if you were paying attention to disney plus's marketing campaigns in the new year um, they've moved WandaVision up. So now next year we are getting Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, and Mandalorian Season 2 on top of the Clone Wars coming back and maybe a return of Rebels. Like We're seeing this and big event television being more successful than I think they even thought. Yeah, as well as we're getting the Obi-Wan show with Ewan McGregor, as well as the Cassian Andor show with Diego Luna. So Yeah, and those will be 2021. Yeah. And there's Right, yeah, that they're filming this summer, I believe. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, I'm excited to see the expanded uh like diving into the Mandalorian culture. You know, Obi-Wan's girlfriend used to run Mandalore when she turned them from warriors right. to pacifists. What? Yeah, and uh, but they but she wasn't wearing no helmets. No, they weren't. That was kind of. But again, I think I think it was like that was back in the old days. It was okay. Yeah, 
And uh, now that like they've been slaughtered, they're like, no, we're going. I mean, it's isolationism, right? They're going like feudal Japan. Yeah. And the guys who rescued him, that was Death Watch. And Death Watch was like the throwback guys who were more hardcore, like traditionalists. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember them so from they, the Clone Wars. They would take their well. helmets off, but they were the guys kind of leaning into the, the old days. So they just went wow, even further into okay. that. So very cool. The one thing Do you guys think I, I should watch the... Clone Wars before the new season? Oh, yeah. There's lists of uh, episodes. I mean, that you should watch like arcs don't watch yeah. it in order oh okay you there's there's skippable episodes you can just skip around and watch the good ones yeah. are there there's, any about I mean, jar jar are there any just like jar jar <laughs> there are some about yes. jar jar yeah. watch those. joe you're saying don't watch the droids ones i'm just saying that the um the creative team being so involved with those past shows is really exciting as someone who's been a fan of all star wars you have you know they always said like no clone wars and rebels is canon Fallen Order is canon, like this stuff's, the comics are canon, and it's like, okay, we'll put your money where your mouth is, and they're finally doing that with The Mandalorian. Like, we're seeing events of that actually matter in a way that we haven't yet, so I really appreciate that. Which I guess, I mean, Rise of Skywalker, you kind of did, because you hear Ahsoka Tano yeah. and all the Jedi are speaking, but right. I don't know, it's just refreshing to see it like, yeah, this guy worked in all this animated stuff, and now he's bringing it to the live action show that people are obsessed he's with. He's clearly great at it. Yeah. And it's clearly not too confusing for an audience. Like, they like it. Can I ask one last Star Wars question, then I swear we'll get off of it. <laughs> I just want to know, can I get your guys' opinion of the differences uh, between film versus TV? What do you guys think for character development? A lot of people keep saying, the characters on Mandalorian are a million times better than the characters in the Disney trilogy. And I might agree with that outside of like some standouts like Kylo and Rey, but uh, Cara Dune, a much more fleshed out character, is that because we get to see her episodically, even though if you pushed all that time together, it's probably the same that it would translate to a movie. Mike, what, what do you think? Is it one yeah. versus the other? Well, you know, with TV shows, you are afforded a little bit more time to explore characters and the stories can be, you know, each episode can be focused on a smaller thing. But when you have to move the main plot along, like in a film, it's maybe harder to pay attention to the side characters like Zori. You made it. But um, <laughs> Cara Dune is definitely infinitely hey, hey. better than her. Um, uh, but I think it's just the nature of TV. Like Anakin in Clone Wars is way better than he is in the movies, like by a thousand. I think beyond that, because I, I agree with that argument, and that could be put for all, like why we've seen the rise of the miniseries and the rise of shows uh, compared to TV. But I think it also has to do with the weight of the Skywalker saga. Like, you don't have to try to tie things back to a generation and then a generation before that. Like, this is all new. Like, you can flesh out a character that doesn't have to worry about who their first and last name is because no one gives a shit. Yeah. I love that take. And we're not going to argue because, yeah, we don't know who they are or care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the Mandalorian. They did great. Clearly, we, we, we all liked it. <clears throat> I'd like to pitch my favorite show of 2019, uh, and it wasn't on Jacob's list, but it's Chernobyl. Do you guys see this show? I did uh, not. Mike, yes. is it awesome? I saw Chernobyl. It's so depressing. <laughs> it's so like it's so heavy. But there was that Chernobyl fever for a little bit. Yeah, it it was amazing. It's just the way it shot, acted, every performance is like scene stealing. The gravity and the way they just explain like this, how fucked up that whole situation. That's true. Is it's like. The amount of hubris from the USSR, and it's it's mind-boggling. I definitely suggest Chernobyl. 
Yeah, I saw it. Uh, yeah, I, agree. I have to agree. It was a pretty good show. It was a palate um, cleanser for Game of Thrones for HBO. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. And Watchmen was high up on my list as well, which, you know, HBO had a really strong year, not just Disney Plus. But, but nobody here did the His Dark Materials. I did not. I didn't watch that one. I, I still want to see that. I haven't caught up with that yet, um, but I do want to check it out. Um, but speaking of Game of Thrones, I think there was another show that obviously came along and, and took some of that audience. The Witcher coming in, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the year. Uh, like I said, I'm only halfway through it. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot. I do think it's I'm surprised that it's getting actually viewed as much as it apparently is, because it doesn't really hold your hand in explaining what's going on, Dance. who people are, where they are, when they are. Yeah. Um, it just kind of drops you in and expects you to figure it out. And so that's interesting for kind of mass audiences to kind of grab onto. Um, but I'm glad that it's getting the viewership that it, that Netflix says it is, I guess. Henry Cavill's great, you know, is Henry Cavill killing it. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good show. Um, it is a little weird how, like the way the timeline is kind of split, it gets confusing, but, um, yeah. So there's, there's three, three main ways. characters that it starts out, right? Three point of view characters. And each of those is taking place in a different time period until they meet they up kind of converge at a certain and then point. they kind of converge. Yeah. So the series stuff is happening later than the, the Geralt stuff in the middle. And then the Yennefer stuff is the oldest stuff until they meet up. Yeah, that's not explained um, too clearly. That's my one criticism, but well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, most of the characters don't age, Mike. That's also a little <laughs> hard yeah, when so you're like not Geralt telling ages very slowly Jennifer because he's age. a witcher. Yennefer doesn't age because she's a witch, so she can just change her appearance. So it's very hard to follow that. Like the Queen of Sintra dies in episode two and then she's alive again in episode four. So that's kind of like if you haven't been paying attention, you might be like, what? wait, wait a minute. There's um, also no like stylistic differences between the time period. Like I don't need yeah. a mirror or like a clear filter thrown over, but they're all shot exactly the same. The action looks exactly the same. So, True. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that criticism. Give me a sepia. Yeah, they're supposed on. to convey that years and years are happening in between. Um, but I think now that they, you know, obviously all meet up, I think that's kind of in the, you Again, know, this is like in a the future season. that won't be a huge problem. Yeah. Yeah, they're getting all the, the the actors, quote unquote, in place for the bigger story they're going to tell in season two. And I think right, they accomplished exactly. that for sure. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think, uh, yeah, Geralt killed it. Uh, Henry Cavill and I like Yennefer a lot. Um, some of the parts I find a little more not as interesting, um, but you can definitely tell uh, Henry Cavill is a fan of the games. He's because he's playing Geralt basically exactly like how he he's portrayed the books, in the games. Too, though, but his performance yeah. feels like the game version. Yeah. And the storyline is very um, true to the books um, as well. And yeah, I'm just really enjoying it. Yeah, cool. Any other top TV shows 2019? I think The Watchmen, like, it was super strong, too. Um, I, Watchmen, yeah. It's, um, it's just, I don't know what else to say about it, except like I was hooked the whole time. It's great. It's just, here's my take on it for right now, for, for yeah. our purposes of talking. If you look at 2019 and we're like, oh, you know, The Watchmen, that was an interesting thing. Jacob mentioned The Boys. The Tick, we didn't even mention Amazon. And then my favorite of the year, Doom Patrol, also a superhero criticism show, not necessarily superhero portrayal show, is just going to HBO. So it seems like these are the trends of these shows. I know Preacher just wrapped up too, but that's essentially the same thing. Hmm. Well, it's interesting, you know, superhero genre movies are so ubiquitous now in our society that we have 
almost a whole genre of just satire and criticisms of superheroes. And like I said, you know, the boys, they do something very similar to Watchmen, but in a different way, uh, stylistically. But um, it but hasn't hit the threshold of just like over flooding for you yet, Jacob. For me, it's kind of a little too much now. Yeah, no, I think the genre is going to have to evolve. Yeah, I think it will as well. Um, but I definitely think the boys and Watchmen both stand on their own kind of legs where they, they're approaching the same themes, but in different ways that, that held my interest. Um, and I would almost put the boys above Watchmen. Like Watchmen is more kind of prestige the way it's shot and, and plotted and stuff. But I think the boys, uh, because it's it's not it doesn't take itself as seriously, it can kind of get at those themes almost even better than the Watchmen. Nice. Um, TV shows 2019. Does anyone have a worst movie or TV show from 2019? Just one to throw out there. Because I got one. I watched Rambo Last Blood and man... <laughs> He, he's oh gonna boy. get in those tunnels still mike he still has it's, to get in those tunnels it's home alone he's, he's got work to do it house. is he makes fucking traps it's bad yeah um i i don't know is there is there a spoiler wall on this can i describe the final part yeah of no go right ahead who cares about rambo yeah so he literally arrows a guy pins him to the door of his barn and then cuts out his beating heart and shows it to him and hey, it's kelly mazen yeah, and it's played Kashima. as like this heroic moment. <laughs> it's it's really weird. Yeah, he's getting revenge for his step niece that <laughs> getting we've known abducted, for our, quote unquote. All of those no, that we've movies. yeah that we've met just for this film. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's bad. Uh, so that's yeah, that's a bad one for me. Wow. Uh, so maybe talk the decade after this break. Come on back, see the decade of 2019. Next, let's do it. We're back. We're talking best of the decade, movie and TVs. Uh, this is the best of the best for the past 10 years. It's been a wild one, as we mentioned before. Uh, 21 Marvel movies in that time. You know, guys, it, please don't ask us to do a Stars Vember, Wars Sember style. I don't know how many months it would take for us to do the Marvel months, uh, but if you do ask for year. it, maybe we will. Oh, man. It's true. There's a bunch. <laughs> the Marvel months. Oh, man. What is that? You could do I mean, one. You could just do the Avengers movies would be a month. That's true. It's all set right there. Which version of the Avengers? Um, welcome to that's Spider- paid content. Yeah, if you guys want a Patreon, <laughs> we'll talk half a year of every Marvel movie. Yeah, that'll <laughs> um, be great. Let's. Uh, how about this for the the decade? Because there's been a lot. Let's each throw out maybe what we think. But Jake, you have a, you have a short list, right? Yeah, I came up with just a, a top ten uh, movies of the decade. Um, so Let, I guess let's each, short. let's each throw out a top individual and then you can do your list and then we'll talk. Yeah. Out of mentions. How's that? Can I sure. go first? Because mine's on everybody's list. I noticed, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, you snaked me. <laughs> I, look, I got to snake you guys. Mad Max is one of the best movie theory- series of all time. And the fact mm-hmm. that it came back with the original creator doing what he loved and it was like the Oscar winner of that year. It swept the Academy Awards. Mad Max, a Mad Max film. Previously, these films had Tina Turner in them, guys. Like, you guys have to understand what this means to me. 
from the man who brought you Babe and Happy Feet. You know, it's amazing. Comes a film where people huff paint and crash into walls as fast as they can. (laughs) You get 70-year-old George Miller to be like, I'll show you kids how to do an action picture. I'm a a former medical doctor. Everybody's coming back for it. Yeah, Not you, though, Mel. You said some bad language. (laughs) It's pretty crazy how this movie actually got made and and – was such a crowd pleaser to everyone yeah yeah i think that's it's a good place to start the conversation too because i think there was really a theme of the decade of nostalgia that plays mm. throughout every segment we're going to talk about and mad max is the return of that action it's the return can of the i can movie. i hit you real quick on that joe just to do some other bowl uh shout outs honorable shout outs halloween you know interesting we don't see the creator come back there it's not john carpenter it's the star you know you bring laurie back jamie lee curtis um oh, Dread. Uh, yeah absolutely that as well um again not really bringing the creator back no two different predator reboots yep yeah no arnold shane black though, okay, very heavily involved we in had the robocop there's play. been a bunch of terminator coming back yeah child's play well i got snaked out of fury road so i'll go to my alternate and then we can go around i guess my alternate will be of the decade let's just say the john wick trilogy Hell <laughs> yeah! It's the decade of Keanu Reeves. He's has like three movies coming out very soon in the twenty twenties. So that's right. The John Wick trilogy collectively is like they're just fantastic. Guns, lots yeah. of guns. Agreed, um, Mike. Agreed. Um, I put the John Wick first. John Wick on my top ten movies of the decade for that very reason. Um, really, yeah. just just making a whole subgenre of action movies popular in the realistic fight kind of um stylistic uh kind of movies the technical kind of attention to detail gun kata like equilibrium yeah. kind of did right back in the day but this is like the spiciest meatball joe what's right. your top of the decade before we um, you know that's like such a tough question um top i gotta say birdman it wow. is um one of those movies that i adore michael keaton is one of my favorite actors Um, And it really, I think, hit the zeitgeist, right? Because it's halfway through the decade, 2014, 2015, and it's talking about, you know, what really is going to be the the defining films of the decade, which is the the overtake of of big poppy blockbusters with the MCU. And um, so, yeah, that would be my top honorable mentions, I would have to say. The Wrestler came right at the top of the decade. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. I couldn't figure if that um, was on the cusp or if it counted. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's right it's on the cusp, one. so it might not count. But yeah, I love that one. Um, mm-hmm. Hereditary is probably one of my favorite of the artful um, horror reboots uh, or, you know, renaissance. So I guess I'll have that as the representation of those. Mm-hmm, and then sure. I'll have uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier as my representation of the MCU. the poppy blockbuster. Nice, Jacob. What's what's your top of the year? Did we get that yet? Well, I did make a little top ten list uh, yesterday. I was just going through all the movies that uh, I remember seeing in the last decade, and I think it was a pretty good decade for movies. A lot of good movies came out this decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I can just run down these real quick. Um, my top movie of the decade, I think uh, my personal favorite, came out in 2010, uh, The Social Network, right at the beginning of the decade. Wow. I think this movie 
is great. One of my one of my favorites, and uh, yeah, just really emblematic of the whole decade. And even now, it's relevant, right? Like yeah, yeah, definitely still relevant today. Um, yeah, it's crazy that came out ten years ago, and it still feels fresh. You um, have Aaron the minimum Sorkin. amount of my attention. Was yeah. that also <laughs> the first of its kind? In that, was that the first Atticus and and uh, Resner score? Uh, I don't know if it was the first, but it definitely popularized them as um, score writers. Obviously, they've oh for uh, the next the whole, ten years, every every yeah, other the movie whole on movie this industry list, basically. trying to copy them. Yeah, so um, definitely that became the 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 style. Kind of kicked off the whole biopic craze, you know, especially at the end of the decade. We get Rocket Man, Bohemian Rhapsody, all this, you know, kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So. And really, none of those can are as good as the social network because the social network takes a true story and really uses its themes to kind of show society today. So uh, I think it's really good. And you get people uh, but, like Army Hammer and Andrew Garfield really being put on the map by that movie. So. Yeah, Justin Timberlake in an acting role. And even Jesse Eisenberg, kind of. That's his first like major serious thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you have that David Fincher, Aaron Sorkin collaboration. Uh, really just the best of, of all these different people coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple ones I wanted to mention. Uh, Whiplash, Snowpiercer, The Tree of Life, Arrival, Drive, the John Wick movies, uh, mm-hmm. Inside Lewin Davis, Mad Max, Place Inside Beyond the Pines. Davis. Yeah, uh, those so those are just you know some of my personal favorites from this decade. Uh, I think Whiplash is one of my favorite movies of all time. Not necessarily like the most important work of the whole decade, but I just think a really good movie, uh, really well acted and really tight script. And uh, as a drummer, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Well, yeah, and that's why when Joe was mentioning Birdman, you were sitting in your little drum kit in the background playing him off. I didn't (laughs) realize you were doing a Whiplash parody, too. Those little one takes of him walking around are great as well. Jacob, I love all the movies on your list. I completely forgot about Inside Lewin Davis. That might be my favorite uh, Coen Brothers movie, period. Oh, that's a great one. Oscar Isaacs, um, Adam Adam Driver Driver in that little cameo. You got two little uh, two Star Wars actors right there. Mr. Moon Man. Whatever that fucking song is. Uh-oh. Outer space. Uh-oh. Outer space. Maybe Adam Driver's best role. You know? <laughs> Might be. So we're looking at Colin says Mad Max Fury Road. Jacob says The Social Network. Joe says Birdman. And I just say The John Wick by default because Mad Max Fury Road is my favorite movie of the decade. Um, <clears throat> some of the notables that I have that were on my mentions is Logan, I guess, will be my superhero mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the strongest thing Fox had done with the X-Men property probably ever, including That's the BS one. films. Uh, Logan's great. Uh, Get Out, I think I like more than Us. I think that was great for the horror entry. That was and, on my honorable mentions as yep. well. And as a sci-fi, again, Oscar Isaac, Ex Machina, and oh, Admiral Hux. Oh, you know? I love Ex Machina, and definitely yeah. check out Annihilation by the same director, um, also a really good one. Yep. And my last one is uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I love Edgar Wright. That's a super funny film. 2010, right at the start of the decade, but it counts. Another maybe. comic book adaptation. Ooh, that's a great one as well. And a comic book adaptation. Exactly. Um, um, one that no one said that uh, I think all of us really loved that just kind of gets swept under the rug. Mandy. Oh, um, Mandy. And yeah, that's, that's um, a fine movie. <laughs> Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah. I heard. I haven't seen it, but I heard it's just like balls of the wall insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
And if I could throw one out for my, since I didn't have a, a superhero or Marvel one, uh, my favorite Marvel movie of all time, I think, is Thor Ragnarok. I think you got me to care about a character that I never cared about before. Um, I think Thor 2 is like the worst of the Mar- the Marvels. And then you come out with this absolute banger, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, great movie. Yeah, that good was on my list a good director well. too. Yeah. Taika's a great director. When you watch that last episode of Mando, you can feel it. Did any of us watch Jojo Rabbit? I missed that one. I missed it. No, I, I have, check have it out. a screener coming next week, so I will be watching it. All right. Well, should we switch over to the, the top TV shows of the decade? It was also a huge decade for TV. I mean, um, I guess I could just start out, you know, a couple things. I'll just say what my top one for the decade is. Let's let's do that. Mike, then. you got into Game of Thrones on this podcast. Don't you dare uh. not mention it first. <laughs> no, no. I think because it was still ongoing, I'm going with Breaking Bad. Oh, there you go. That's Breaking a great Bad this decade, but it was active and finished up this decade. So. Um, great pick. Yeah. And I have to say uh, uh, American Horror Story. It, hey. it started right at the top of the decade and... Boy, oh boy, did everybody have their take on a horror anthology series right afterwards. So I would say that was kind of one of the defining trends of the decade. In line with the horror renaissance, like you said. Yeah. You had American Horror Story, Channel Zero, um, nine million other ones that I can't think of this second. Twilight Zone coming back. In the Twilight Zone coming back. All right. Jacob. Creep top. show. Yeah. Creep show, it's right. Um, yeah, I think uh, Breaking Bad was a great pick, Mike. I think that's one of the best shows ever. Um, for me, I just got to go with you know Game of Thrones. I'm a huge fan, so I have to go with it, even though the ending's terrible. Um, I still have, I think, season one through four are still prime. That yeah. prime stuff. Very strong, Colin. I had to let you get snaked because you took my Fury Road. <laughs> um, what's what? Uh, what's on your top? Breaking Bad. Oh, I'm right there with you, Mike. You know, I'm a little pulled out at this point. It's been too long for me to recall how week to week I was glued to that couch. So honorable mention, mm-hmm. obviously. Instead, I'm just going to go wide with it and just say like a, a TV maker, Noah Howley for this decade. Sort of how Joe can just sort of say Ryan Murphy. I want to say almost, but Noah Howley for me. With Fargo season two specifically and all of Legion, like it wasn't, and maybe it's not the most satisfying payoffs either of those, but it's such a thrill ride the entire time. My dad is rewatching Legion right now for the first time and just hearing him talk about it. We're both just like so turned on, engaged with it. It's what I wish Twin Peaks The Return was. Like, you know, when I was watching those mm. week to week. I was just losing my mind and, and not getting any satisfaction from it. And that's a show where I'm sitting and like praying all decade that I will get more Twin Peaks. And I'm not happy with what I got. So so I'll just say the Noah Howley stuff. Okay, cool, cool. Very good. Um, you know, there's also all of the Netflix shows. Like Netflix wasn't really making uh, as much original content as they are now a decade ago. You've had Stranger Things, BoJack yep. Horseman, uh, Glow. Um True. The Crown. I, I love all of the those. Crown's the Crown's on my yeah. list as well. Yeah. The Crown um, seems huge. Yeah, and I haven't seen the newest season, but I, I love the the first two. Um, what about like something like The Walking Dead? I think AMC had a really strong decade, especially the first right the half top, of the yeah. decade. Oh, Mad mm-hmm. Men, that oh, period yeah, where people Dead, were like, Mad Men. oh, we've already got you here for Breaking Bad. Make sure you're going to stick around to watch Zombies and Ad Executives. It's like, you son of a bitch, but everybody was into it, guys. Yeah. They started kind of maybe the TV is movies movie. They didn't start it, but they really pushed the needle on it. I AMC. think, yeah, HBO. 
started it. Home but box they, office, obviously. Yeah. But they brought it to cable, to like the average, like they the brought normie, it to cable. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's obvious too because FX passed on uh, Breaking Bad. Like no one wanted Breaking Bad until AMC was like, we'll take it. Yeah. Um, I also want to shout out the Clone Wars Rebel series. Those were going on. Just if you're Star Wars, check those out. Good, good decade for cartoons because you get, like you said, oh, BoJack. Bob's I loved Burgers, every cartoon. This Rick year. and Morty. Rick and you Morty. Know, Simpsons obviously young still Justice. limping on, but you get Young yep. Justice. You get uh, the young stuff. I love the Steven Universes, the Adventure Times, the regular shows. Uh, Cartoon Network killed it. Disney killed it this year. I don't know. I love it all. Ducktales is back. Yeah, we get Castle Gravity Falls, we get JoJo's Amphibia. Bizarre Adventure. There's good anime. It's it's a good decade. Yeah. yeah. Do you watch Neo Yokio at all, Mike? No, I have not. That seen weird that. Jaden Smith Netflix anime. I'm thinking about that one soon, maybe. Oh man, well, I got something to talk about. Weird Netflix anime adaptations. When we're talking the worst of the decade, I'll tell you <laughs> what, dude. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, any other notables for like best TV shows that came out? Yeah, they pretty much ran through. Um, you know, I think those are the top ones that we've already mentioned. I had Breaking Bad and yeah. 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 Cool. Should we w- want to talk any of your worst things of the decade? No, hit us with what you were just teasing, buddy, please. Well, when I'm looking at my movies, my easily worst movie of the decade is the Netflix Death Note adaptation. Uh, oh, man. It yeah, was, that was out there. It's Adam Wingard, who had bad. a bad decade. He he did the um the uh, Blair Witch remake straight into the Death Note movie. I mean, it's like ah, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah, and um, the actor, I'm, it's killing me right now. Nat Wolf, out. yeah, from no. uh, oh, Lakeith Stanfield. Sorry, oh, yeah, Lakeith man, Stanfield, he's so awesome. But man, what a shit role. What a shit like yeah. script. Yeah, this, he's always he's, great. But even he couldn't save that movie. No, he could not save it. So that that's the worst of the decade. Um, it, 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 other bad movies. I saw Fifty Shades Darker. That was bad. I saw. <laughs> Here's my here's my one that's really controversial, right? It follows. I don't think it's as good as everyone says. Um, yeah, I think you it's were just saying a pretty that basic horror. horror movie. I remember that, and you guys know that's I hated it. Chapter take, two. I thought that was a, a complete fucking letdown of a movie. Yeah, and I have not seen uh, that. But I think it follows. Um, it's mm. not a terrible movie. I don't think, but it's not a great movie. Like it, I think it does get overhyped. But there's definitely I like the style of it too, the aesthetic and the score and that kind of thing as well. I think your expectations of a movie kind of define this list too. Like, obviously I hold something like it follows, which is critically acclaimed to a higher, you know, standard than I do cult of Chucky. (laughs) Hey, can I call you out on one of yours though, Joe? Can I call you out on one of yours where you were specifically saying, I don't care that Deadpool one's bad because Deadpool two will probably be a lot better and it'll go through. Deadpool two sucked this year, terrible, and we both fucking hated it. Yeah, I yeah, like that was one where it was like, eh, Deadpool was fine, but I'm really excited for Deadpool two, and then I hated Deadpool two. I would say mine are Batman vs Superman. Again, I understand that Mm. that is a controversial. Like a lot of people like the Snyder verse, but. My expectations were high, man. Like you can't Justice League. You can't make these movies and then have them be that bad. Like, can we have a small conversation movies. about that? I just want to get your guys' take. Joe's right. This is. I mean, we got to talk about the DC stuff because what a weird decade that they've had. But the same people that I've seen online go, 
I don't like how The Last Jedi deconstructs Star Wars. I've seen praise BVS, where it's exactly the same thing. It's a deconstruction of what it means for DC stuff. You have a weird, angry old guy who's not acting how he should, killing people and just, like, beating up Superman. And then there's also the, like, this is, like, such an interesting point because you have people who mocked the hashtag uh, release the Snyder Cut who are now unironically saying hashtag release the JJ Cut. We're and, not oh, director yeah. cut wow. truthers on this podcast. We don't, I, <laughs> no, you know, the not. movie that and you get fact, is the movie that you get. I don't need anything else, right? And I would put both the Justice League and the Rise of Skywalker on my worst of the decades. They're the biggest disappointments. Yeah, I, uh, I want to agree. Like, I was thinking after watching Rise of Skywalker and doing all the Star Wars, I think the Disney Star Wars trilogy is one of my biggest letdowns, maybe partially because of expectation and not because The For Last sure. Jedi sucked or... But because they didn't have a plan and the whole thing is a mess, it changes the original trilogy in ways I don't really enjoy. And it, they just don't feel distinct. Like they, they're doing their own thing, but they don't have like an identity that's their own, I think, except for Adam Driver. Right. When I think they find it and they stumble into it and then they, you know, walk away from it. J.J. <laughs> Abrams was like, no, 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 that's not OK. And then yeah. he was like, but Palpatine's back. But Palpatine's stronger than he's ever been. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I love to Palpatine. To me, it's just but the disappointment of it makes it the yeah, worst. Yeah, him being there is a problem. Yeah. So For me, um, one of the worst of the, dec- of the decade definitely has to be Justice League, uh, which I think is worse than Batman versus Superman just because uh, I'm not supposed to be bored when I watch a, a Justice League movie. <laughs> and even Batman versus Superman, there's interesting things going on and I was still entertained. And I was, Have I wanted you rewatched to see where it, it went. though, Jacob? Have you watched BVS more than the no. one time you, me, and Joe drank a bunch of beers beforehand <laughs> in the parking lot and then went in and then all had a panic attack halfway through that movie when we realized how um, bad I it was? I did watch the... I watched the ultimate cut or whatever the oh, cut really? um, online yeah, afterwards, but I think Justice League, it's worse because it's just so bad, so generic, and it doesn't hold your attention at all. Checks and that's, just so if you compare boxes. it to the Avengers movies, yeah, that's not what it's supposed to be. Like This is supposed to be a can't-miss film of the whole franchise, and then you put out such a dud. Um, huge disappointment. Uh, I have one more final disappointing film. It's called um, The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. I hated that movie it stars too, Mike. Sam Elliott, Coors, the banquet beer. Coors. Uh, and he kills Hitler and then the Bigfoot. It is stupid. When you're driving <laughs> I love your Sam F-150, Elliott. you want to make sure it's a <laughs> yeah. Ford F-150. 50. Yeah, I love Sam Elliott, but that was not, that was not his greatest work. Nah. Prancer is probably his best work. Yeah. Or as the, did you guys watch that weird uh, Lady in the Tramp remake? He played one of the dogs. Oh, Oh, really? There's a a weird rom-com with him that's on Netflix. But anyway, um, I think that's the decade for movies and TV. It is. um, I saw Cats. Normies, obviously you want Jacob and I to do an episode on it. So (laughs) I'm going to save all my opinions on it. It It was great. Uh, Jacob's promised he's going right after this podcast. (laughs) I still want to see it. Um, looks amazing to me. Well, let's move then to some more uh, interactive medias, let's say. is also a big decade for that. Talk to some of the games. Best of 2019 and the decade. Next.
we're back, Normies. We're talking best of on this best of Norm Year episode. And specifically, we're going to be talking about the video games we played in 2019, what our favorites were. Um, you know, not to go too crazy. I feel like I missed a lot of the top. I can't believe Sekiro won Game of the Year over Death Stranding. Two games that, again, I did not play, but I just feel like Death Stranding just seemed like such an achievement. Um, did any of you guys play either of those two games? Weirdly, I should have played Sekiro, and I have a copy. My cousin let me borrow his that I have to play uh, as the Souls guy, um, but I didn't. Uh, but the first ever Strand type game, I saw a lot of footage on these, but I didn't play them. How about how about you guys? Yeah, really, just watched them. One. Yeah, so weird. We haven't kind of been exposed to those, but from what I understand, Sekiro, like the art direction and the boss fights and the the gameplay is just so tight, and then. Death Stranding is just so obtuse, right? So maybe it's just hard for people to wrap their mind around. But Mike, as a From Software to Mike, your company obviously being to Mike, um, you you (laughs) wanted to see them finally win Game of the Year in a non-Souls-born game? You wanted to see it be a a completely original property? It's like uh, Scorsese's Oscar. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's for all the other work. Yeah, Yeah. it's for for everything. Uh, Honestly, if we're talking... Like not to jump the gun on the decade, but it's from software for me, and we'll get to that point. But Miyazaki deserved it because he kicked off this decade with Demon Souls in 2009, but it had a PAL release in 2010, so I kind of count it. But Dark Souls was 2011, and that shaped the whole industry. So I think he deserved it at the end of the decade for all the the knockoffs and stuff. So Sekiro, I think, deserves it. My best game of 2019 um, that I did play uh, was probably... Either Resident Evil 2 or Devil May Cry 5. I think Capcom had a really strong year. They're making complete games that don't have DLC. They're a full experience for full price. It's not like the the EA and Activision side. So, And again, this ties into my theory that the decade was the decade of nostalgia, right? We have mm-hmm. Resident Evil 2, uh, the return of Pokemon, uh, you know, Devil May Cry 5. Like A lot of these are based on your nostalgia mortal kombat still kicking like these are things that are yep. uh and they really leaned know. into nostalgia with mm-hmm. the going back in time element and devil may yeah, cry 5 every character from every return game. to form mm-hmm. so th- that that's my my top two capcom re- really crushed it but if i played secure i probably would have liked that as well uh jacob what are your tops um yeah i didn't play Sekiro or death stranding um i do i mean they look interesting to me death stranding to me it feels like a game that more people talk about than actually play. Um, but I, I am interested to check it out at some point. But it's hard because um, it reminds you so much of your job. You are an Amazon delivery person who straps <laughs> babies to your chest, we should say. That's right. Yeah. Um, but two games that I did play this year that I would say they're not amazing. Like, I wouldn't consider them the best of the year only because I think they both have major flaws, but they were enjoyable games. Um, one is uh, one that I've been playing recently. Uh, the Outer Worlds. Uh, this is by Obsidian. Um, if you're a fan of the Fallout games or that s- sort of shooter RPG uh, style of game, this is the perfect game for you. Obviously, Obsidian made Fallout New Vegas, um, the best Fallout game. We also made like Knights of the Old Republic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, those older RPGs as well. Um, so, yeah, it's exactly what you'd expect it to be. It's it's basically exactly like Fallout, but uh, this time it's in space. Um, 
it's a lot more colorful, I think, than the the wastelands of Fallout. So if you have problems with Fallout 4, um, this is kind of a game that does similar things. It's not as big. They didn't have as big of a budget as Fallout 4, uh, but it's uh, where... You know, the weaknesses of Fallout 4 being the story and the characters, This is that's where the Outer Worlds really shines. It's a very tight, small story, maybe a 20 hours of, of story there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't have a huge budget. It's more of a double-A game than a triple-A game. So I think Outer Worlds 2, mm-hmm. if they get a budget behind it, I think it could be really good. Um, and then the other one uh, that I want to mention that's not an amazing game, but I did enjoy it, is Jedi Fallen Order. Um, obviously another souls like dark uh, souls of star Wars. Games. Yeah. And just because, you know, we haven't had a good star Wars game in a long time. I mean, you can consider battlefront two after the updates and try. stuff, people liked it a little more. Um, <laughs> but no Jedi fallen order. I think just because it was a good fun star Wars game, I think it gets, you know, it did a lot, even though it's not amazing. It doesn't do anything super original. Um, but it's just nice to have a star Wars game. That's good. And it's it's canon. Like the story of this game is canon, sort of like the That's story right. the story mode of Battlefront Two. But um, like they confirm in the Visual Dictionary that, as I said on one of the episodes, that Ilum, like the planet where the lightsaber crystals are from, is Starkiller Base. Like the Empire had oh. been mining it out yeah. and using kind of the. But wow. it's it's. But Mike, that's, that's of one it, of those so. things, and we didn't even mention this when everybody was talking about Marvel in this Marvel decade. We started the decade yeah. with them being like, TV and the movies are tied together. By the end of the decade, they're like, we're in charge of TV now. None of that counted. Yeah, it's just going to, it's the same with these Star Wars games. It's all going to be canon until the people in charge decide, well, no, I'd actually like it to and go it's this not way. anymore. No. Justice for Dash Rendar. Let's get him, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, Joe, do you have a favorite game you play much games 2019? You've been Switch Boy. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think I've played a single. I've only played a handful of 2019 releases. Um, right. I, I have a couple Tetris gift cards post-holiday, and I've been trying to track down Jedi Fallen Order. It is sold out at every Target in the area. Oh, um, man. So I definitely will be picking that up uh, as soon as I can find it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the only game released in 2019 that I played in 2019 was Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Um, hey, there it is. Obviously, some people thought it was a disappointment. It's not as good as one or two, but I wasn't really expecting it to be. Um, and I think it like works really well on the Switch. This is my first year with a Switch, and it's very much surprised me. I thought I would never play it handheld. I almost never plug it into the TV. I play it handheld all the time, and I think it works really well for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Um Obviously, it was a slight disappointment, but I did still very much enjoy it. Um, everything else that I played this year, I'll save for when we talk about the decade, because I'm still playing old stuff, and I just discovered some some old stuff this year. Gotcha. So no, no Untitled Goose Game for you? No, no Untitled Goose Game for this boy. <laughs> Colin, what's your uh, 2019 best No best? Untitled Goose Game either. I'm not doing that. Um <laughs> Although, again, because every time, you know, like when Jacob just mentioned Outer Worlds, what just turned me off was the 20 hours. Is there is there a life beyond that? Like when people talk about the Goose game, they're like, oh, you would love it. You'll beat it in six hours. I'm always like, well, what am I fucking paying the money for? Yeah, that's one yeah. thing I really wanted from Outer Worlds was more, was a bigger story. Um, there is side quests and companion quests and stuff that kind of flesh it out a little more. But you're not getting the amount of of game that that a fallout 4 or a skyrim would be but 
I think this was more of a proof of concept that Obsidian can, that, um, is making these kind of games and just proving, you know, how much better they are than Bethesda, uh, who has not uh, had a good couple years as a company. Um, so if you found f- some of the areas where Fallout 4 lacked, then I think you'll like Outer Worlds. And I think if enough people play that, a bigger budget Outer Worlds 2 would be really killer. But even something like Borderlands 3 this year, which I, I'll red box, I'll, I'll just red box, you know, new games sometimes, try them for a day. Yeah. You just burn through it. I'm like, okay, well, even this, I'm not going to sit down and replay Borderlands 3 unless I'm doing it with friends. So my my game right. of the year even falls under this. It's a little game called Cadence of Hyrule. It's a Nintendo only. It's based on the Crypt mm. of the Necro Dancer series. It's a beat action game. So there's actually like a constant rhythm that's playing through the game that you have to make your movements to i just like the ingenuity but again not a lot of post world not a lot of you know i mean there's no dlc support there's there's really nothing nothing to it Mm. you beat it in 15 hours and then i go wow that was a lot of fun and exciting okay but none of us said red dead you know red dead that's a game that came out this year that you can play endlessly but sometimes i I just feel overwhelmed 2018 oh okay but it's on the decade list. Okay, um, there we I think go. it was the end of 2018 it came out. But yeah, that's... that's Yeah, Colin, I, I got to agree with you. And that's a big problem. In the Outer world specifically, there's no New Game Plus. And once you start like the final mission, you can't go back. Once you finish it, you can't go back and just go around oh the God. open world. So it's Check just like everything. really... Yeah, like they tell you before the last mission, they're like, all right, this is your final save. Like go do other stuff if you want to. But it's like, why did I invest so much time in this game? I can't even go around and finish up the side quest after I finish the main game. That's, yeah, that's an oversight, it seems like. Yeah. Um, does anybody have kind of a disappointing game of 2019? I, I have one, but it seems like, you know, generally with games, you're not going to you're not going to play it if you hate it or buy it, you know. So um, I have one that's just uh the most normie of, of franchises, Call of Duty. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. They released a new game, Modern Warfare, uh, this year. Um, I've played it a lot just casually, but uh, it's it's really good in some areas. Like, the graphics are amazing. Um, but there's certain problems with it that have just, like, really crippled it as an online multiplayer game. A lot of people, a lot of longtime Call of Duty people have complaints o- about it. Um, for me, it's a very hit-or-miss game. Um, the, the campaign is not really worth mentioning. It's it's like four hours long, um, but it's fun, you know, for a casual uh, shooter. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, my disappointment, my biggest disappointment in 2019 for gaming was Kingdom Hearts 3. It was a, a bunch uh, of hype. I think the story was, I mean, they're all garbage, but I think. Just well, friendship is it, magic um, and power is love, Mike. That's fi- a Final Fantasy 13. That's every anime that's ever been made, right? Obviously, friendship is magic, but literally there's lines where he's just like, what are we doing here? It's like, I don't know, Sora. I, did, I don't know. <laughs> and like the Disney characters are just kind of shoehorned in. Like they're just like, hello. All right. Goodbye. Like they're not integral to the plot. They're just kind of there. Um, they remade, you know, Frozen and Tangled. Like it's. Wow. Not wow. what you wanted after, you know, 15 years and 20 dream drop distance, 100 and 360 no scope reverse games. <laughs> and then so. I didn't even remember that people like Ratatouille that much that they're like, well, you got to squeeze him into this game. It's like, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he, game with Ratatouille. Oh, yeah. And it's got Winnie the Pooh, which just that could not wow. fly in 2019. Not <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that's my disappointment. Do we want to talk um, 
I think we got time here in this segment to just do kind of best or worst of the decade because this is a huge decade for games. Yeah, I'll, I'll just mm, jump um, if I can. You know, I yeah. I said a I said a Zelda one for my best of the year. It was a Zelda spinoff game. You know, the first time that they mm-hmm. did like a non main title, mar- married it with this weird necro dancer thing. Best of the year for me, or best of the decade for me, was Breath of the Wild. I mean, I told you guys when we started this podcast that got me back into video gaming. I think where I was like, wow, this is astounding. Yeah. Um. Early on, if you just want to talk early, 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 Portal 2, I mean, that was like one of the best games I ever played. Me and friend of the podcast, Andy, just would co-op through that and just do incredible puzzles. And I just love games like that. Yeah, I, I like your Breath of the Wild take. And we've done Mario episodes and Sonic. We haven't done um, Zelda. Legend of Zelda yet, so I think that might be incoming. Uh, you know, I buried the lead at the beginning of this. My best game of the decade is easily Dark Souls. By extension, Demon Souls. I like it to the point where I'm speed running Demon Souls. Everyone knows kind of the Souls like formula now with your Neos. And well, so much Code so, Bane Mike, that out. my favorite game is one that people go, "Well, it's Zelda meets Dark Souls." Like, like, come on, that's incredible. The fact that they were so ubiquitous. Yeah. And in yeah. my opinion, Dark Souls met Zelda because they took the Z targeting from Ocarina of Time. So, like that groundwork, right. they're they're swapping spit a lot. But yeah, it laid the groundwork for this whole decade of action uh you know kind of rpg games so dark souls is the most important from software's work for me um yeah i have two uh that for me are by far the most the best and most influential of the decade um two that are very different uh one is is best known for its storytelling as well as its gameplay and then one has no storytelling at all uh but it remains fresh on the um, unlimited possibilities of its gameplay. Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> I was not going to say Fortnite, uh, but I'm, I'm talking about uh, The Witcher uh, and Ooh. Minecraft. Oh, Minecraft. Witcher, yeah, best of the decade, and Minecraft, obviously. Yeah, The Witcher Jacob, 3. Totally. Yeah, The Witcher 3 for me is the best game of the decade and super influential as well. Um, Minecraft is a game that I, I come back to a lot, uh, and I'm talking obviously about modded Minecraft, not vanilla for you <laughs> casuals who don't know. But um, it's hard to you know talk about it because you know if you don't if you don't know then you don't know. But um, there's so many different mods and mod packs that you can download. There's um, quest driven ones. There's there's kind of um, uh, like checklist uh, driven ones that, that just keep you entertained for, for hours and hours. So I've played so much, so much of that game in the last decade that I have to include it on there. Um, but from a storytelling aspect, the Witcher is definitely the top, uh, top of the decade for me. I've heard people say like the side quests on the Witcher are more fleshed out than some games, main stories. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's and definitely true. That is awesome. I can't wait to jump into it. We'll probably be doing uh, the Witcher very soon here, folks. Stay tuned. Um, Ooh. And as far as Minecraft, it's almost like it's it's, it's, its own coding language now. Yeah, it's really just a I mean. base kind of thing that you can put whatever you want on top of it. I mean, there's a mod pack called Pixelmon that's basically Pokemon in Minecraft. I've seen people do Dark Souls in it. Yeah, yeah wouldn't you say it's been like this antidote to our society almost that introduction of Minecraft has maybe made future generations of humans more intelligent just because it's allowed people to sort of open source creativity and like Mike just said, programming and stuff. Oh, absolutely. I think so. I mean, you have little kids, 12 years old playing Minecraft. They don't understand, they don't realize it, but they're actually expanding their imagination and learning while they're playing because 
it's it's like having Legos, but like in better in every way than Legos. And when you combine two different Legos, you get a third kind of Lego that you've never seen before. The crafting aspect of it is a huge part of it. And you have these production chains and everything. It just keeps people coming back. And you can have people, you can have adults enjoying it. You can get really technical with like science and stuff and like mixing different chemicals and all kinds of different yeah. stuff like that. So it but gets it really advanced. It takes a special the- person to get satisfied from it, wouldn't you say? Because like you mentioned, there is a time suck element to it. So when it's not goal oriented, how do you get that satisfaction? Because sometimes I'll play Stardew Valley and just put it down at the end and be like, oh, all I did today was milk cows. My life is worthless. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's a great <laughs> comparison. It's a lot like Stardew Valley. There's no ultimate goal. I mean, some mod packs there is, but usually not you kind of have to make your own fun and keep yourself entertained and give yourself goals. But when you have one of these bigger kitchen sink mod packs, there's so many mods to go through and people spend a lot of time. I mean, there's a huge community of people that uh, both mod creators and players, and they're just a very committed community for sure. Well, to kind of piggyback off of your two um, nominees, essentially of the Witcher, which is like an action open world game and Minecraft, which kind of, you can make your own fun. I want to bring it to one of the games that's been released the most this decade and kind of involves that of you can make your own fun and it's an action thing, Skyrim, right? Oh, true. You, you can do nothing in it and enjoy yourself or you can do Jacob, the epic story. is it fair when people put that game next to The Witcher? Because I see a lot of people go, well, if you actually like Witcher 3, Skyrim's actually a lot more interesting. To me, it's like well, one of them's on rails. I mean, isn't The Witcher very, I mean, you're thrust forward. Not necessarily. I mean, it is an open world, so you can go around and do the side quest for hours and hours and hours. Like, I've played The Witcher. I have over 100 hours logged on Steam, and I oh haven't even God. finished the main storyline oh or gotten God. to the DLC yet. So, I, have, no, I would uh, say it's a lot like Skyrim in that you can just go off and do whatever for hours. Yeah, I have 30 hours logged in The Witcher, and I've only gotten to the opening credits, essentially. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a huge it game. But I think Skyrim was the originator for that style in a lot of ways. And obviously it and took... it came out early. Yeah. Decade. And it built off of Oblivion and stuff like that. Um, I think the Skyrim is a step back from The Witcher in a lot of ways, but obviously it's older. Um, it's bigger, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, you could lose yourself. I mean, I, I was... I swear to God, my friends would be like, hey, where were you, man? It's like Skyrim. Like, I was just... I've been gone for a week. Sorry. Yeah. And you can do different I, I, playthroughs as different as different play styles. And with modding, that's another one. Um, Minecraft yeah. is huge modding community. Skyrim has a huge modding community and it keeps the it game fresh. It is Bethesda, so it is slightly less polished. It's a little more glitchy than The Witcher. The Witcher has that nice spit shine on yeah. it. Yeah. But there's so. an underlying thing that you guys are mentioning, which I think really is the highlight in gaming for this decade. I mentioned Portal up top. You guys keep mentioning Steam. So there's Mm. been this evolution for video gaming with Valve where they might not release another game, will they? I know they're doing the VR stuff now, but it truly seems like just the database, the the housing, the community that they've created with Steam, that's their future, wouldn't you say? Seems like that. Yeah. We're not going to get Half-Life 3. Left 4 Dead 3? I mean, we're not going to get any of that. We're just going to get a Left 4 Dead VR game now they're teasing. Ugh. Well, okay. why make effort if you can just make money doing the same shit? And you uh, have the community making mod packs to keep things relevant. Yeah. Um, I think Steam or Valve is kind of like 
the biggest winner and biggest loser of the decade because they are sitting on a mountain of steam cash, but then they haven't made anything. Well, that's the thing, Mike. It would be like if Coca-Cola was like, we don't make Coke products anymore. We invented the vending machine. Like, obviously, we just house other people's drinks. And you're like, well, but I really liked Coke a lot. Could you please make another Coke, please? Like, they didn't even make Portal. That was like a sub-development team that was allowed to experiment. The experiment was looking promising, and then they brought it in. Yeah, it's like, even that wasn't their original thing. Um, So besides Left 4 Dead and Half-Life, they've really been sitting still. Team Fortress. It is. I mean, I got a huge backlog on Steam, though. I mean, shit, he was not using it, so (laughs) good for them. Anybody have some other honorable mentions that they really enjoyed this decade? I have well, a I couple. Haven't, uh, I haven't given mine yet, so I'll throw oh, them I'm in so there. Oh, I'm so sorry, Joe. No Please worries. hop in there. Um, definitely the most normie gamer. I've played The Witcher. Um, I enjoy mm-hmm. that. I've played Breath of the Wild. It's really turned me on to the Switch in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, here are my normie games of the, the, the decade. Uh, Let's go. PS4 Spider-Man is a great storytelling uh you know simple game with satisfying gameplay that was derived from the uh arkham series which Mm. i think really defined how action games were made in this decade um you know they're button mashers with a counter system and a gadget system um i love that (sighs) i love the uh uncharted series and The Last of Us, a couple, couple honorable mentions there. Naughty Dog, um, yeah. And then the last one I'll say, I guess, is the um, the Injustice franchise. Because it kind of oh, turned yeah. me back to fighting games a little bit and created an entire new universe that has never taken a break since it started in DC Comics. And people absolutely adore where they've taken the, the characters in that version. Nice, yeah. Those, we we always end up playing those uh, when we're hanging out at your house, just fire it up, play some injustice. It's fun. And, Hell yeah, uh, baby. Yeah, the Mortal Kombat formula. That's uh, they've been doing good work there. When well, it started uh, with you know Mortal Kombat versus DC, and then became its own game. Yeah, and they have their own kind of distinct style. Like it's more visceral than you would expect from like a comic book beat 'em up game. Like it's yeah. pretty imp- heavy, right? So oh yeah, I enjoy that. The Last of Us definitely, I think, should be mentioned. A lot of people consider that one of the best games of all time. Time, Tom. Obviously, the story is very engaging. The gameplay is, you know, tense. It's, you know, a survival horror almost. Um, I, I love Last of Us as well. That's a, that's a good one. Seems like Pokemon's losing fans for its decade. Um, I don't know. This was a weird one, Well, they don't one, have guys. the full decks. And the yeah, new Pokemon game wasn't Brexited. on my list. No. Yeah, they, they don't have all the Pokemon. But they're trying it, but, to figure out how to merge um, the mobile and stuff, too. I'm kind of surprised, you know, we had some big developers just from our past that would do, like, the Sims games. I'm surprised there's not, like, a new Sims just with how technology's pushed and pushed and pushed that people aren't just obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Well, people still play the Sims. Uh, you know, yeah. they Sims 4 or whatever, which one it is, they released a lot of DLCs and different things ah. like that to keep the... There's still a community around the Sims for sure. Second Life. Gotcha. Well, oh no. Uh, Club Penguin. That's the real one. Um, <laughs> Game of the best Decade. Of the decade. <laughs> Club Penguin. Um, there's a speed run that Neo you can't pets. do anymore, but it was a thing. It was how fast can you get banned from Club Penguin? <laughs> and it was something like six it's... seconds because you create your account and just type fuck and hit enter, and then they ban you. <laughs> for not using be a, a speed run. run. <laughs> um, 
So my my biggest honorable mention for Game of the Decade, it's much like Mad Max Fury Road in that it's a return to form of a throwback of something much more visceral, right? And this is going to be Doom 2016. I think this game was such a fantastic way to reboot a franchise, one of the pillars of the industry, right? Creating the first-person shooter craze, you know, rock stars like John Romero behind the original Doom games. And to bring back 2016 with uh, Mick Gordon's soundtrack and the visceral gameplay, a single-player campaign, the multiplayer, throw it out the window, just a singular first-person shooter visceral experience. It felt like being back on Windows 95, you know, running at 100 miles an hour, super shotgun, Doom 2. So I'm really excited for Doom Eternal coming yeah, up. Yeah, just wait uh, for year, Eternal, guys. We'll do an app. Yeah, we got the Doom movie. I think we can definitely get an app. But I'm 2020 is shaping up to be a huge year. Uh, and my last shout out is Pac-Man Championship Edition DX. <laughs> this came out in <laughs> okay. 2010. All right. Tetris 99. on steroids. Yeah, then that means Joe gets to talk about Tetris for 20 minutes then. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but they let you pick like, it's almost like Mario Maker. You can pick what style Pac-Man you're using, mm-hmm. whether it's a pixel one or a modern one. And the mazes are so insane to where the ghosts spawn infinitely to where you can have like, once you hit your pebble, your power pebble, you can get a chain of 100 ghosts that you kill and you're going like a thousand miles an hour. It's insane. Um, so it's a classic game brought into the new decade, basically. That's why I'm throwing it in there. But that's it for my my honorables for best. Anybody else? That's it. All right. Any worst games of the decade? Because my number one is uh, Star Wars Battlefront, the the initial one that uh, Activision did. Wow, what a piece of trash. 60 bucks, no campaign, no space battles, yeah. none of the content from the PS2 versions. Just what a complete and utter failure. It's like Disney is not knowing how to treat like the main release films well and like Activision did not know how to treat their license on Star Wars until Fallen or EA, I mean. So, yeah, that's my worst of the day. I mean, they did a lot of I will say go back and give Battlefront 2 a chance if you haven't played it yet cuz basically they took every they learned their lesson. Uh, you right. know, people forced it down their throat and now it's it's playable again, which is nice. They backtracked and apologized for their mistakes in the initial release, a la Rise of Skywalker versus Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. No, I heard it did get a lot better. Same thing with things like um, like the Master Chief collection was really shit when it released, and they've kind of fixed that up as well. So, yeah, um, yeah maybe worth checking out. Yeah, for my worst of the decade, I will say uh, Fallout 4, even though it's a game that I still enjoy, um, but it, looking back, it was the beginning of a decline for Bethesda. And I guess I should say fallout 76, yeah, uh, but I actually haven't played that. So, uh, but from everything I've read, I mean, that's just a huge disaster. And I think Canvas it started Baggate. with, yeah, I think it started with fallout four. uh, definitely some of the cracks have begun to show in Bethesda. Um, and they, they've lost a lot of the goodwill that they used to have. Uh, so we'll see if they can get that back. Yeah, Howard's really got to step it up. I, Fallout 76 was on the list. Also, Mass Effect 3 was a big disappointment for people. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of a broken game. Superman yeah. 64, big disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was this decade, I'm sure. Um, I was let down yeah, by franchises. Kind of- I'll tell you, I played that Terminator Resistance yeah. game. It was terrible. It was as bad as the new movie. 
maybe uh you know like things like assassin's creed just continuing to do the same shit you know there was a little bit of stagnation i think in the triple a sphere definitely. oh i bought both of those i bought odyssey and whatever the other assassin's creed was i played both of them for about 10 minutes sitting on my playstation right now haven't turned them on since yeah yeah i think the triple a space really was a a low point with all the uh loot boxes and pay to win and microtransactions especially in the american side of things that was a low point i think winners for the decade would be nintendo and from software and uh and fucking battle royale games apex legends is huge um fortnite obviously oh, PUBG. Yeah. Those, PUBG. those are huge for this decade um launched many a youtuber's career Damn. many a jack septic's eye and uh right. markiplier you know thanks to these kind of games the death that's of right. tony hawk pro skater that was kind of a bummer yeah. this decade. That's true. That's sad. It's, you know, and the soundtracks, man. We're not going to have those great Tony Hawk <laughs> I soundtracks. I need my ska, dog. Overall, though, Goldfinger, let's do it. I think uh, this, in a nutshell, was a pretty solid year for games. There's a little bit of stuff for everyone. If you want nostalgia, you got it. There's a little bit of original stuff. Um, and, yeah, there's a good 10 years. 2020 is looking to be sharp. Uh, 2020 is getting Final Fantasy VII Remake, Doom, Eternal, and Resident Evil 3 right out the gate. So it's it's going to be quite a, a year. Yeah, that's about it for games. We're going to go ahead and talk some big comics and books of 2019. And we'll be back right after this. We're back. We're talking the comic books of 2019, and then we're going to be talking the best of this decade on the page. Um, you guys are both just admitting off pod. Jacob didn't read too many comics this year, yeah? Uh, no, I never learned how to read, actually. So it's That's kind right. Of impediment. <laughs> right, That's right. true. Um, You've been phonetically telling us the Witcher stories by just <laughs> guessing what's on the page. <laughs> yeah. got the picture versions. Um yeah, I didn't read a lot this year either. I did I did read, um, if you listen to our Halloween spook, spooktacular episodes, I read Cycle of the Werewolf. It didn't come out this year, but it was a good little short story, Stephen King, that Colin lent to me, and I will be getting that back to you. But uh, other than that, the only things with books were D&D 5e, which I love this decade, but that's not really a comic Oh, there book. we go. But I think that was... That's all right. I forgot to mention you loaned thing. me Dark Souls 3 this year as I uh, burnt through that as well. So we're doing a nice little trade swap there. There we go. Um, all right. Well, we'll just recommend a bunch of comic books to you guys. Um, kind of more for the best of the decade part, but I'll just say that the rise of the writer Tom King, uh, we brought him up a bunch this year on the podcast. He started out with a book called Sheriffs of Babylon. He was an ex-CIA operative who got to see some time in the Middle East, and he tells that story, Sheriff of Babylon, which is literally just about a American commando teaching the forces over there to sort of be police, and then he gets sort of wrapped up in a military uh, detective story. It's very interesting. Uh, and the fact that he's gone on this year to be the head writer of Batman, Mr. Miracle, which was like incredibly lauded as one of the best comic books of the year. Nice. Yeah, yeah Tom, um, all hail the king. Yeah, while while we're talking about to. Tom King, I think this this the later half of this decade we really saw a return to slice of life comics just in general. Um the reboots of Archie from Mark Wade, uh the Flintstones book, 
even some of the the Tom King Batman stuff, the Mr. Miracle stuff, a lot of that is really just slice of life comics and I've really Mark Wade and Fiona that. Staples I hope that. who did the Archie stuff. Uh your fiance Cassie loves Fiona Staples specifically her saga work with Brian K. Vaughn. We saw that wrap up earlier this year and then they went on a extended hiatus where they announced that it will be moving into part 2 of Saga. Are you caught up on that stuff, Joe? Um, pretty close to, I've been milking the last volume, but that is my contender for comic book of the decade. I mean, you took, oh, would you say so? Yeah. You took something that was mixing slice of life with the odyssey with sci-fi and created something that a lot of comedy to, um, so I, you know, I think it's, it's wildly original, but also so ingrained in classic, like even pulp comics of the fifties while still mixing in this this heart that is um, really just found its way into comics in the last decade or so. So mm. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Saga. I hope it never gets adapted. And I hope, they I hope it never it gets adapted, too. I'm sure lives. they'll try. Uh, I am caught up, Joe. I'm a little worried. No spoilers for you, but uh, I think they might lose some fan base. It's kind of equivalent to, to Walking Dead getting rid of some of their biggest characters where you're like, oh, yeah. well, you know, I liked those really big characters, though. Yeah, we're in a huge transition period, but I think like, you know, every every everything's got to end at some point and Saga is not Batman or oh, Spider-Man. Or well, Superman. I take my uh, Joe, how dare you say that? Stuff never has to end because this year was so special. 2019, guys, did you know this year we got Detective Comics issue 1000? We got wow. Action Comics issue 1000. So there you go, that's Batman, that's Superman. We also got a made-up thing from Marvel called Marvel Comics 1000, which is sort of them also jumping on this bandwagon too. There was yeah. no long-running thing called Marvel Comics. I mean, right. that does not no. exist. They're really just honoring their history. Um, 2019 marked the 80th anniversary of Batman and the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics in its entirety. So we saw wow. a lot of like anniversary issues um colin did you ever get through detective comics 1000 i have and and uh i was gonna say superman as well because joe you're mentioning like this transition period do you like when we get to these anniversary issues where you have to write it out with the writer who's currently on it because i know a lot of people when it got to action comics 1000 they're like oh but i don't want brian uh michael bendis doing all the fucking superman stories i hate brian michael bendis yeah. Um, I mean, I love Brian Michael Bendis and I hate Superman. So like that one's kind of a weird mix for me. But no, the the standout of those issues is always the, the two page little nuggets that I don't have a whole Batman story to say. But what if I tell the story of him tracking down the gun that killed his parents and, and melting it down? Like you get some really awesome character moments in those little stories. I always love those anniversary issues. I have a uh, a copy of Detective Comics 1000 signed by Jim Lee that I think I'm going to take to every con with me. That's awesome. that, that'll be my my grail wow. to get signed by everyone. Um, and then, you know, there's some other great writers that we saw kind of become legends this decade. Scott Snyder and Greg Capola, the team behind the uh, um, DC Dark Knight's Metal. Yeah, before that, um, not Rebirth, but the New Fifty Two. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Sort of leading the way with New Fifty Two until they get usurped, but still, even adding to the mythos of Batman with stuff like metal, it's not fully taken away from him. Scott Snyder is getting his stuff in there. Greg Capullo, of course, doing incredible art still, even though I do like Mitch yeah. Gerard's better with Tom King. 
Yeah. Well, and, you know, the end of 2019 marks the end of a lot of things. Tom King is done with Batman. He just did his final issue. His next book is Bat and Cat. So we'll see. Hopefully we can continue kind of some of what he was doing, but it won't be mainstream. Um, And Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo told their their final Batman story, The Last Mm -hmm. Night on Earth. So, you know, I'll tell you why that's not going to work, Joe. Uh, Catwoman is not nearly the smoke show that Big Barda is in that run because <laughs> that is a woman. I mean, thick gets thrown around around a lot, but Big Barda, Big Barda got it. She got it in all the right she places. She's big in the name, dog. <laughs> um, and you know, on the 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 flip side of it, um, Marvel Comics, I honestly wasn't too impressed with a lot of what was happening. I think no. No, Marvel Comics 1000 had a little Scott uh, Ackerman page. I like that. He got a little six pages because he did a lot of weird stuff this year, like uh, X-Men Black, the Mojoverse. He did a lot of standalone one issues for Marvel. Yeah, and we are seeing the continuation of uh, the renaissance of X-Men, which is nice. My takeaway for the year for Marvel Comics, though, was Spider-Man Life Story. Um, Chip Sardeski, one of my favorite writers, had an incredible year. He was on a Daredevil run people adored. Of course, if you you don't know who I'm talking about, he created Sex Criminals. He worked on Howard the Duck. He's uh, just kicked off Twitter and got back because he had a picture of his ass on the the internet. Um, Just a a really funny um, original voice. And life story is what if Spider-Man got bit in 1960s and then each issue is a decade so you watch Spider-Man grow old uh, into the 2010s. That's pretty rad. I adored it. It's one of my favorite books. Um, definitely one of my, probably probably my favorite of the year because Tom King's stuff was mostly 2018, unfortunately. I like the idea of seeing Spider-Man kind of go through the decades because when we saw Spider-Verse, he got to see kind of like schlubby Spider-Man and like, you know, it would be cool to see, yeah, how does that character evolve? Oh, you see old man Spider-Man. I mean, you see the, uh, what if, what if the Marvel superheroes really had a civil war? Would they ever become friends again if time kept moving and they all kept getting older? Yeah. I I like that a lot. Um, yeah, it was, it was really exciting. Grounded. Did you read the, uh, did you read the X-Men stuff though, Joe? That would sort of be my top of the year. The Jonathan Hickman finally returning I'm, to Marvel, getting that sort of stuff together. I'm two issues behind. So yes, but not all the way. Um, gotcha. We're talking like about Powers of X and House of X. A Marvel X-Men tie-in from Jonathan Hickman. You're supposed to read the stories concurrently as they go through. And um, I don't know. It's just a, it's a wild take with new canon. That brings everybody back from the dead, Joe. Everybody. Everybody. We have yeah. every mutant you could ever want together. I mean, here's the thing that I think is kind of fascinating. You had Marvel get bought by Disney, and then we stopped seeing Fantastic Four books, and we stopped seeing a lot of X-Men books, really just Wolverine because he was their bread and butter, and then they killed him too. Now that they bought Fox and they have the rights back, Fantastic Four is back, and X-Men has, hasn't been this big in a decade. Um, I like what they're doing, but I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like there's going to be a big undo button at the end of this arc and none of it's going to matter. In my opinion, the shoe is what it always is with the Marvel stuff in that you had those great core issues and now you literally get standalones written by people that you love, but you're getting a new mutants issue. You're getting, um... Excalibur, you're you know you're getting all the old team ups throughout all the years. That's oversaturation again, buddy. Like that that yeah. was the death of the X Men originally in the nineties. 
Yeah, because now, I mean, even like I love Kitty Pride and I like what they're doing with Marauders, but, you know, I'd like to see her just in an X-Men book again. <laughs> it doesn't need to be like that's the, the joy of the X-Men, right? Is there a team? And you're right. Like Marvel's kind of. But there's too many. Trying to sell so much. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say Tom King, the rise of the, the slice of life book saga, Spider-Man life story. Um Another one I really liked that was a couple of years ago, it was Batman Eternal, and it was a 52-issue arc, and there was a different uh, issue every week, and that's just like an incredible undertaking, and that writer is now going to be doing the main Batman book. It was just a story about um, Gordon being framed for a murder he didn't commit, and, you know, the course of a year, how does that affect um oh sean murphy and the white knight like that's another one you got to talk about especially with all the love for the joker now yeah the brian azaleo stuff i don't know the batman damned the white knight i don't really get into when you get more into the like hardcore like super nc-17 batman stuff yeah the white knight's pretty pg-13 i mean it's just a, a different take on the character and i love to see I mean, I'm really just jealous of it, but a writer who is also the artist, like it just feels so personal and especially like Sean Murphy's aesthetic is so hand drawn that like, it really just feels like you're just like, you met this guy and he's like, oh yeah, I I draw Batman comics. Do you want to see some of them? And they're like, holy shit, this is incredible. There's a lot of talk that maybe the new Batman suit will be based on one of those runs. It's and it would work perfectly. It has everything you would it's want. Kind it's kind of a kind more, of, it's sort of what you see Cap wearing in your favorite Winter Soldier. There's a lot of like utilitarian, yeah. like he has a lot of pockets. There's a lot of needs for a lot of pockets. It's not right, my favorite, pockets, but I but get not it. Like, yeah. You know, not like, uh, like Rob Liefeld pockets. Like they're, they're small. They, <laughs> no, they but sense. like real carpenter pants and stuff. Like he is wearing tactical yeah. real life military stuff. Now, can I ask, do you fucks with any of the DC stuff that went on this year with rebirth or were you into doomsday clock at all? Jeff John's run. I didn't, I didn't care about, I didn't care at all about doomsday clock to me. It just seems like a cheap money grab. Um, and like, you know, I'm, kind of a brat all i care about in the dc universe all i follow really in the dc universe hard is um the bat family and like you know yeah you don't care about wally west being introduced yeah yeah well yeah (laughs) he'd give him amnesia um Um, uh you know that that kind of hold off on doomsday clock because we might do a watchman episode maybe we don't know we'll we'll sort of debate that out but uh boy you know when you already have, it's interesting that you look at Damon Lindelof, who's like, I can make fan fiction about the Watchmen. And then you have Jeff Jones, who's like, well, I can make fan fiction about the Watchmen that also has Batman and Superman in it. And you're like, well, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's so just, that's like a little bit overkill there, buddy. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, for best of the decade, too, another one I want to throw out there is uh, Ultimate Spider-Man ended in 2011 with the death of Peter Parker. Mm. Who boy, what a the great best. book. Right. Um, and I think that like, to me, that kind of started the books that I would love most throughout the decade, all were less about the action and adventure and more about the character and relationships. And, uh, if that sounds good to you, there's a ton from every publisher to check out this, this decade. 
And that's what Stanley kind of always said was the ethos behind Marvel's like, well, what what happens when they take the cape off and they're just a person, right? And uh, that's cool that that's kind yeah. of been the theme for this decade, especially with the passing of Stan. Um, at least the torch is being carried that that spirit. We lost yeah, Stan I mean, in 2019, guys. Everybody loves him, so right. Everybody learned those lessons from from Stan the man. Hey, Excelsior, you know. A, a lot of, of good issues, a lot of a little moment of silence, a lot of good variant covers uh, right after it happened. The the goodbye Stan issues. Check those out, too. Uh, top of the decade, Joe. How about the rap variant cover issues? You know, when Marvel was doing that, people were eating those up like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, not to get on a high horse about it, but variant comics are also killing the comic book shop industry because oh but this howard the, the duck jewels. has a run the jewels cover <laughs> it's oh, it's wow. much more important that i get order. that than whatever's on yeah yeah and then you force a you know a mom and pop shop to order twenty thousand books that they can't move so you know I, it's i don't know they're they're cool and they're kitschy but you're really you're really killing the storefronts when you do that kind of shit mm. um but like that said, like I've also loved the rise of like the DC app. Like, oh man, I I read all of Batman Beyond from 2016 to now. Yeah, Marvel was awesome. Unlimited was I astounding. I never would have bought all those books. So you know, even if you're a new reader, I would recommend checking those out. Um, and then Comicsology, if you want to get into some of the more independent stuff, you can you can get those there too. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, they they. Age of convenience is upon us. You know, either you can get access to mm-hmm. so much right at your fingertips. So, all right, and now we'll it. hear Jacob go off for twenty minutes on Dilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Garfield. Yeah, working in an office. Look, is Scott crazy. Adams. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do miss all that stuff, though. I wish newspaper comics were uh, were still as big as they were. Yeah, you know, newspapers aren't. A, they wish they were as big as they once were too. <laughs> That's true. In fact, uh, journalism itself wishes it was as big as it once was, but we don't want to open that can of worms. No, not true. before World War Three, Mike. All right, well, that was comics. <laughs> we talked the best of. We talked the best of the decade. Uh, we did movies. We did video games. Now we're going to go into our little wrap-up section. We'll hit you just some more thoughts of our finals, our favorites, and then we'll let you go. We'll let you enjoy that happy norm year. We're back. Happy Norm Year, Normies. The ball's about to drop. We're counting down 10, 9. Okay, but before it hits, uh, let's just hit us with some some things we're excited for the new year. Um, Jacob, you talked about CD Projekt Red. You talked about The Witcher. You talked about video games. This is the year we're getting Cyberpunk 2077. That is the thing I'm most looking forward to. That's right. And it's going to be the year of Keanu. Um, I mean, you got, you got <laughs> that video Cyberpunk. Game. John Wick 4. You got The Matrix. John the Wick Matrix 4, the new Matrix four, movie question coming mark? out on the same yeah. day. And Bill and Ted oh face God. the music. Come on. That's right. Yeah. Oh, year of Keanu. This is also where they announce that he's going to be a Marvel villain or a Marvel hero. Please, that too. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure that's coming. 
Uh, but Cyberpunk 2077, going to be a huge, huge game. I'm so excited to play it, get my hands on it. It's, uh, it's going to be bigger than Outer World, right? I mean, it's going to be larger. We're going to have oh, more to do oh, in that sure. video game. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be... I'll tell you be... the one thing I'm afraid about is having my Gen 1 PS4 run it. Like, <laughs> just explode halfway through. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to get it on PC. Uh, that seems like the kind of game for PC. But yeah, it should be good. Yeah, so Very CD Projekt Red is another, like with From Software, a developer that really kind of took over this decade uh, upon releasing The Witcher 3. They really became their own kind of AAA. They, they really made a name for themselves. So it's 2077 should be pretty epic. That's for sure. That's right. Um, for mine, you know, Doom Eternal, we mentioned Final Fantasy VII Remake, though, Colin, I know you have some thoughts about this, too. I don't like that it's broken up into segments, but we're getting yeah, the first. Yeah, it burned us. And that's another thing playing on a PS4. I'm sure it's going to be like 800 gigabytes, you know. But um, And Mike, we didn't mention it in the video game portion. We're seeing a lot of ports now for the Switch. I can literally play Final Fantasy VII up to X, X2, 11, 12, all that good stuff on there. Not oh, wow. 11 because that's the online game. Yeah. Uh, but they're not selling well, Mike. That's the hmm. thing. They're not really doing well. There's a lot of sales. There's a lot of combining a couple games together. They're pushing the 8 remaster. Uh, do you think number seven will sell well, or, or is it kind of Final Fantasy missed its moment? I think it might be missing its moment. Maybe that's something we should have mentioned. Is they uh, they maybe are one of the dark parts of the decade? I think is um, Final Fantasy itself has really fallen off this decade. Fifteen was a disappointment. I think having all the remakes and sequels is really King's not what Glaive. What, when when words like that start getting introduced instead of the numbers, and that it's like, well, this is sixteen part one. X, you know, I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I can't even look at that video game. Releasing a movie before your game and mobile games before your game, expecting people to care about the characters before they play the game is hubris at the highest level. So I think Final <laughs> Fantasy needs to chill. And we'll see what happens with Seven because they are splitting it into three different games. Yeah. It's taken forever. I'm, I'm cautiously. Uh, I don't know. Not, I don't think I'm optimistic, but I will play it. Um, for sure, but Doom Eternal is going to be dope. Resident Evil 3 uh, is going to be excellent. And we get Tenet, King Kong versus Godzilla, and Sonic. So, okay, go, be... we'll, we'll tell you guys, but go back and listen to our Sonic episode. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to review that movie <laughs> on just a second. Uh, what I was thinking, we do a segment and then maybe we put it in top and do a re release, but we'll talk about that, Normies. We'll, we'll talk yeah. about it. Joe, what are you lo- looking forward to 2020? I'm looking forward to being disappointed by the Avengers game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Square looking Enix. forward to loving 2077. Um, I'm looking forward to being disappointed by Colin. Jeff Johns, three jokers is finally going to happen. Yep. Um, the only reason doomsday <laughs> clock, uh, came out now opposed to three jokers is because he, he made an agreement to say, I will put out doomsday clock and keep delaying it because it's not done. If you'll let me do three jokers and wait till it's completed. So so it is it should be a more cohesive idea, hopefully. I, I don't care, Joe. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm excited to see what you do with it. It's it's been a long running mystery. Um, how about Disney Plus? We got a lot of weird properties. Supposedly we'll be getting some shows. I'm not super excited for Scarlet Witch, but by the time we get around to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'll I'll be back on board there. Supposedly more Mando. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Mando. Um, I think cons this year are going to be really great. I think 
We're going to see some surprising announcements out of E3, uh, Comic-Con, and even Star Wars Celebration. So expect some some weird stuff coming this year, I think. Nice. Yeah, I think uh, also Obi-Wan. Uh, I believe that's 2020, right? Um, 2021. Oh, that's 2021. All right. Well, sorry, yeah. I misspoke. But it'll be like in the decade. But How about uh, the last yeah, Daniel plus- Craig James Bond film? Yeah. As long as it gets us to Edris Alba, I'm fine with it. <laughs> there I we go. I can't wait to see, uh, you know, we'll get information on Matt Reeves, Batman, and, and and hopefully our first look at that suit coming soon. Yeah, and for, that's for Robert Battenson, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, we'll Venom 2 may or may not have Spider-Man in it now. Yeah. But, yeah I think we're going to see uh, some, some wild stuff coming. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's going to be a good year for gaming, good year for movies. There's going to be a lot of interesting things happening. We definitely had a decade that shook up a whole lot um, as far as the entertainment landscape. So it'll be interesting to see how the next uh, 10 years are going. Jacob, anything else you're looking forward to? Uh, yeah, mainly, uh, like you mentioned, Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan movie, uh, looks pretty good. Um, yeah, and then John Wick 4, Matrix, uh, Cyberpunk Star 2077. My Star Trek boys More finally Witcher. get their Picard oh, show. Picard. Picard show coming this month. Uh, super excited about right. that. Uh, more Witcher, more Mando, all that stuff. More of the boys. Mando. Yeah, it should be a good year. Absolutely. If we well, make it. If we make if it. If we yeah. make it. Yeah. It was a weird year of normie stuff, normies. Uh, next year, things are only going to get more normie. Like, I'm I'm currently shocked just by the things that have entered the pop culture that we're allowing ourselves to talk about. So hopefully we're going to get some more great stuff in 2020. Absolutely. And we thank you for joining us along the ride. Um, this, what was my name? It was, I don't know. I'm just saying my Millennium. normal one. <laughs> this is okay. <laughs> this is a <laughs> I got to go get an avocado toast. <laughs> yeah, avo- big year for a big decade for avocados, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll be back to the normal episode formats next week. Uh, thanks for listening to Starvember Wars Sember. Welcome in. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you once again. And we'll catch you next time on Normies Like Us. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bra- 2020 Vision. Bra- That's what I have. you're a normie. All right. I'm here. <laughs> All right. Stop. It's over. Oh, hell yeah. This is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around.